What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to the Hitters Only Podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you've been listening. It's been going well. Really excited to get my second guest in here today. Mr. Gary Williams is going to be on with us this afternoon. Hopefully he doesn't melt in here because, boy, it is hot in the shop this afternoon. We got the door open, so we are sitting outside. So if you hear the birds chirping, the dogs barking, you might hear a mower in the distance. It's just sounds of Milton. Like I said, I'm, get, I'm very excited to have Gary on today. He's done a lot of hunting. Killed a lot of critters. So if you're offended by animals dying, this is not the uh, podcast for you, probably, and this is not the episode for you. So I would uh, keep it moving if you don't like hunting and stuff like that, because we are going to be talking about hunting. And he has hunted hogs. He's hunted white-tailed deer, of course, here in Tennessee. He's hunted elk, I'm pretty sure. Mule deer, all kinds of stuff. He's got a very extensive trophy collection at his house he has got some fur on the drywall folks he has got a bear rug in his office anyways so i'm really excited to have gary on today we're gonna have a good time he's a very nice guy hugs you when he sees you hugs you when he leaves great conversationalist this is not going to be an interview we're just going to cut it up in here and have a good conversation about hunting and really whatever we want to talk about i think they just recently went to the kid rock travis tritt no snowflakes concert in nashville so i wanted to ask him a little bit about that and how that went he's got a beautiful wife and uh he's got a son got a great family they live right down the road on a nice little uh a nice little place got a bunch of goats got a bunch of Pyrenees doggies and they are animal lovers outdoors people like to uh, like to be entertained like to go to Nashville have a good time and um, they are always on the invite list for any party we have at our house or birthday or anything like that we uh, really admire Gary and his wife Dana so they're they're good people and I'm really excited to be able to bring him in here for my second guest. So without further ado, Mr. Gary Williams. Crank this sucker up. the world. <laughs> a proud, independent, and sovereign nation that serve and respect their own people. When you look at what's going on in the world, you have so many where they don't respect their people. That's cool. Anyways, I figured you'd uh, appreciate that. But, yeah. uh, hey man, welcome to the Hitters Only Podcast. We are live. Oh, nice. Nice. So, Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Um, like I told everybody before, this is Gary Williams. He's a good friend, a neighbor. Um, out here, if you live within, like, what, 10 miles, you're kind of a neighbor? Yeah. Five miles? Sure. I think it counts. Yeah, it's got so, to. Yeah. But, um, man, you've done a lot of interesting stuff. I've, I know we've talked a bunch 
at parties and birthdays and I feel like every time me and you get into the meat of it you know a woman walks up and wants us to go take a picture or something like that and I'm like dad gummit Gary's about to tell me how he's about to smoke a whitetail at 150 and Caitlin wants to take a picture with the baby <laughs> so anyways man um just a little bit about you you're originally from South Carolina actually from Kentucky oh I, was, I didn't know that I was born in Kentucky and moved to South Carolina moved to Spartanburg whenever I was 13 that's a cool area yeah Evan yeah. Evan lives like 45 minutes from there, mm-hmm. and I think that's where he originally wanted to actually live. But anyway. yeah, We lived in a little town called Roebuck, and not much there. Uh, Dad got transferred. He was working for a uh, hazardous waste transportation company Okay, and got a promotion <clears throat> to move to South Carolina, so we moved to Spartanburg and didn't live there but a year, and okay. then we moved down to Chapin, which is more close Chapin. to Col- Columbia. Okay. On Lake Murray. So you don't you don't claim any Kentucky sports then, huh? No. That's a good no, man. No, no. Man, if you were a Kentucky fan You wouldn't invite me over. No, nah, we'd be we I can't I could I couldn't deny our friendship, but I would I wouldn't like it. Yeah. See I'll see I'll watch a Tennessee South Carolina game with you and Dana. Yeah. But if you were a Kentucky fan I couldn't do it. No. I'd I'd throw something. <laughs> I I can't. I can't do it. I don't so. blame you. I don't blame you. I, I pick at my uh, cousins. They're all Kentucky fans and everything. Yeah. I actually got one Clemson fan in my in my yeah. uh, That's family. That's too bad. Oh, it is to when you, you're a South is. Carolina fan. <laughs> to you, it is. But, yeah, so uh, Kentucky's just not my uh, forte of sports. Yeah. Well, so you said you moved to South Carolina when you are how old? 13. So did you hunt any in Kentucky when, mm-hmm. as a kid? So basically, how did you <clears> – <throat> get into hunting so when i was a kid my dad he doesn't hunt okay and so but my granddad did and so the first time i can remember going hunting i went squirrel hunting with my grandpa and uh but i didn't have any bullets i got to carry the gun but no bullets yeah and we'd sit underneath the cedar tree and i was six five six years old and he would teach me how the gun works and the mm-hmm. safety and what the gun to do whenever you pull the trigger. And yeah. so for probably four or five months, every time we'd go hunting, which wasn't that often, you know, I'd carry a gun, but no bullets. Mm-hmm. And he was teaching me safety. He was teaching me responsibility about rifles yeah. and, and teaching me about animals too. Yeah. And so uh, we'd sit and just talk. Mm-hmm. And then my other grandfather uh, on my mom's side, he, he liked rabbit hunting. Yeah. So when I was about seven, um, we started rabbit hunting. We had beagle hounds and stuff, and he'd take me rabbit hunting. And Dad would go every now and then for that. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'd go rabbit hunting, chasing rabbits, and I loved eating rabbit too, man. Rabbit's so good. Oh, they're good. Mm-hmm. Man, uh, real quick side story. When I was in college, Kaylin and her parents used to let me hunt on their family land, and I'd go out there in between classes and hunt. And, dude, I was so broke because I – and uh, I was out there turkey hunting one afternoon, and I, the fattest rabbit I've ever seen <laughs> comes hopping out in front of where I was sitting. And, you know, I got I got a turkey loading the gun. Yeah. Boom! What was left? Well, there was no head left, mm-hmm. but um, – I took that sucker home to my apartment over by MTSU and fried that sucker up in the pan right then and there with salt and pepper and butter, dude, and it was awesome. Yeah, you can't beat good rabbit, man. Yeah, yeah. Can't beat it. But, yeah, so I, I did a little bit of hunting, small game hunting in Kentucky, and then when we moved to South Carolina, I probably didn't hunt for – well, 
I'd hunt a little bit of squirrels, a little bit of rabbits and stuff every now and then. And then mm-hmm. when I was 15, I was working at this little uh, gas station place, and it had a grill and stuff in it, kind of like Parsley's down here, you yeah. know, making hamburgers and stuff. And one of the guys that worked there, his name was Pride. Pride Turner was his name. He had a 3030 that he wanted to sell. Man, he must be significant if you remembered his name. He was. He was. <laughs> he was a good dude. And he was older than me. He was probably in his late 20s, and okay. I was 15. And uh, I don't know. He might have had a rap sheet or something, you know, working at a gas station at that yeah. age. But Whatever. regardless, he was a good dude to me. Yeah. So he asked me one day, he's like, hey, I got this Marlin 3030 I want to sell. He said, are you interested? Had a, had a scope and a box of bullets. And I said, what do you want for it? He said, I'll take $300 for it. I said, sure, I'll take it. So I paid him like 100 bucks a week, you know, until I got it paid off, and he gave me the gun. And Did you go up to the gas station and give him 100 bucks? Well, we worked there together. Oh, okay. So whenever payday would come, I'd give him some money, you You're know. You're so lucky you got that gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I took it home, and, and uh, I knew nothing about scopes because, again, you know, I, I used shotguns or a twenty two whenever I was shooting small game. Yeah. And then whenever I got this rifle with a scope on it, Mm-hmm. I didn't know about compensation. I didn't know about, you know, if you shoot way out there, you got to aim higher than what your crosshairs were. I didn't know all that stuff. Yeah. So I was like, shit, I can't hit nothing. Mm-hmm. So uh, I just took the um, scope off of it and would shoot iron sights. Yeah. Which was a lot better for me. Dad was like, you know, why don't you put the scope on? I said, I can't hit anything with it. You know, mm-hmm. so I, and actually I killed a deer here in Tennessee with that gun. Oh, really? Three years ago. You said it was a marlin? Mm-hmm. Marlin 34, or Marlin 3030. Um, Mine, uh, model 8, I can't even remember the model number. My now. first deer rifle is, uh, it's still in that safe right there. It's a Marlin XL7 30-06. Mm. But I'll get into that later. But yeah. <laughs> my first <laughs> rifle I ever got, though, my grandpa gave me a, uh, a Glenfield model 22, I think, or model 16. Yeah. It's a 22 caliber. Yeah. It's got a little squirrel etched in the... Oh, heck yeah. of it and stuff. You got wood on it. Oh, yeah. I love wood accents on guns. Yeah, it looks There's something, good. like, nostalgic about it or mm-hmm. something. Because I think we went through a phase where everybody was going and getting their, like, stocks dipped in the camo wrap mm-hmm. and stuff. And I grew up, most guns were, you know, they were wood. Mm-hmm. Like, pump shotguns sure. and all that. Sure, So, but, my, yeah. my second gun I ever got was a uh, single-shot 410. And I can't even remember who makes it now. I think it's Springfield. But single shot bolt action. And you can only put one shell in it. It doesn't have anywhere to, like a magazine or a mm-hmm. tube or anything. So you put one shell in it. Heck yeah. Close it up. You can shoot it. Yeah. So dad actually traded. <clears throat> I had a pony. And he traded my pony saddle for a uh, for that gun and gave it to me. Really? I, st- I still have both those guns, too. And I got them, one of them when I was five and one of them when I was, like, eight. That's awesome. So. Man, uh. That's uh that's funny because when I when I started off hunting, my my dad we have similar kind of upbringings with hunting because my dad never hunted either, and I grew up with a, a guy named Josh Hugh and he was extremely into hunting, and that's how I started squirrel hunting, rabbit hunting. I mean, dude, we were teenage boys walking around in the woods with twenty twos. We were shooting everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was moving. <laughs> it was getting shot. Twitty yeah. birds, all that. <laughs> So that's pretty cool, but um, 
do you notice any big difference between so you just hunted whitetail with that first gun you got a 30 30 i hunted whitetail in south carolina with is there any big difference between the deer in south carolina and here they're a little bigger here the bodies really? are bigger here uh, from what i noticed i hunted way south and i hunted a little bit around newberry south carolina mm-hmm. and i got a funny story to tell you about that later on but uh so the the deer down there it seemed to be the bodies were smaller racks were comparable to the bodies too you know the mm-hmm. racks were a little bit smaller than here as well but I the wonder, color is the same yeah i mean it's really i mean states are connected so it's not which i don't know man when you first get into south carolina it's pretty mountainous mm-hmm. yeah that so, spartanburg area is yeah i didn't deer hunt in spartanburg so i was more deer hunting in the central part of the state <clears throat> yeah so around. the first deer you ever killed was in south carolina mm-hmm. yep. heck yeah what was it i killed a doe actually was nice. the first deer and we were able to hunt over corn and you're gonna laugh because it was no <laughs> easy or it wasn't a hard kill at all really i'm sitting in a deer stand had a pile of corn out there doe comes walking up and I didn't know a whole lot about deer hunting at the time either. So my stand was like 10 yards from my corn pile. Yeah. She comes walking up, puts her head down in the corn, shoot her in the back of the head, done. No way. How far? <laughs> Eight yards, nine yards. Damn. I'm surprised that deer is even, yeah. I mean, hey, she was sniffing that corn, buddy, and she's ready to eat lunch. Yeah, yeah. That's funny, man. Um, so you said your first gun was a marlin. Mm-hmm. So I didn't start deer hunting. My first deer gun was a marlin. Your first deer gun was a marlin, mm-hmm. and you had a twenty-two before that. And, and the four ten. So my first gun, my dad bought me a Mossberg Model 88 Maverick from Walmart. Mm. And, man, I'm telling you, it's the best shotgun. Just, you know, it's a three-shooter. Take the plug out. You can put five shells in there. Yeah. But it's been such a reliable gun, and it's just – it's one of those guns, like, you don't care if you just, like, throw it in the dirt or on the ground or bust ice with it if you're duck hunting or something like that. So I still have that gun, and it ain't ever going nowhere. But um, my first deer rifle was I bought it in college from a pawn shop on Broad Street, um, across the street from Party Fowl over there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, man, I didn't know. So I started dating Kaylin. And she was like, oh, I'm yeah, I'm big into deer hunting. She showed me, like, the deer she had killed. And I was like, oh, my Uh-oh. God, dude. Can't let her show you up. And she was like, do you deer hunt? And I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, I, yeah, I hunt. Yeah. And she's like, all right, oh, that's cool. And so, man, after we hung out for, like, a couple of weeks, I quickly realized, like, dude, I got to go buy a deer rifle because <laughs> this girl thinks I hunt. So I ran in there, bought, like, a $300 marlin 30-06 i didn't i didn't man i didn't even know what i was looking for because i mean 30-06 is a pretty powerful gun Mm -hmm. and you know it packs a big punch so dude i bought that there was already a scope on it still got the scope don't even know what brand it is just a blank black scope and went to the store and bought some uh 180 grain Federals? Freaking Federals, baby. <laughs> Everybody so got Federals. stupid, man. <laughs> like, I bought the highest grain bullet that you can buy for a, a gun that packs a punch. Mm-hmm. Didn't sight it in, nothing. Dude, I thought, there's a scope on the gun. Just point it, and it shoots well, stuff, thought. right? Yeah. I didn't know you had to sight scopes in. Mm-mm. So, I meet Kaylin's dad, and we go out to her land, and I hunt with her a few times, and... You know, they're not 
um, her family, they're not necessarily meat hunters. Her dad's like a pretty big trophy hunter. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how she was brought up. I'm more of a meat hunter kind of guy. And if a trophy walks out, well, he can go to the truck too. But so her dad puts in this big, nice winter wheat food plot over here in Walter Hill. And we helped him put it in one day. But this, so we hunt like two different farms. One of them is Kaylin's, like pretty much her land, like her name's on the deed. The other one is somebody in her family that just like Jeff, my father-in-law, has permission to hunt on. Mm -hmm. I didn't really understand, like, the scope of how serious people took, like, where they hunt and, like, only they can hunt it and stuff like that. So one evening, when I was by myself, I just threw on my camo, threw on an orange vest, grabbed my gun. I was like, I'm going to go hunting because I have permission to hunt. And I went to the one in Walter Hill, Mm -hmm. which is Jeff's hunting spot Uh-oh. so he had a deer stand up there overlooking this i mean he's like a five acre i mean eh, two to five acres something like that big food plot winter wheat and i climb up in the stand with this gun by myself thank god he wasn't there <clears throat> dude it's by the grace of god that man was not sitting in that deer because i got there late dude like the sun was going down mm-hmm. and he wasn't there and i climbed up and i sit down and i turn around Boom, there's a big buck standing right in front of me. He must have watched me walk up through there and, <laughs> and climb the tree and sit down. He was looking at me. Put the crosshairs on. Boom! Drops like a rock. Uh-oh. About 30-yard shot, probably. Nice. And I was like, what in the... Like, dude, my mind... Like, at this point, I'm on cloud nine. I'm like, dude, deer hunting's awesome. It's easy. All you got to do is just walk out of here. <laughs> I didn't spend no money on the food plot. Wasn't my deer didn't stand. Didn't my gun in. Didn't psych the gun in, dude. Bought bought some Walmart camo, and I got a $300 Marlin. And that's a stretch saying that I spent 300 on that because back then most of my money went to whiskey dicks. Sure. But, and so I'm like, oh, wow, okay. And, dude, I was driving a Ford Explorer. So. Hope you had some trash bags. No, there were no <laughs> trash bags in the back of that truck, Gary. There wasn't even hardly... Probably oil in the engine, dude. I'm such an idiot back then, you know what I mean? So I go down there, and I'm like, you know, I'm walking up to it with my gun pointed at it because I was like, dude, this sucker might jump back up. With an empty in the chamber. Yeah, with an empty in the chamber. I, I didn't, you know, it's a bolt action. I didn't rack I didn't rack it out. And I walk up to it. I kick it a few times. It's deader than a doornail. I shot it straight in the neck. Good, just, no meat loss. Yeah, I mean, it's just neck shot. And, you know, if I'm shooting at 30 yards, and I'm, I'm discrediting myself a little bit. I've always been pretty decent. I grew up shooting guns, so, I, you know, I could keep a gun steady and know how to breathe. My dad was in the military, so he shot me. He showed me how to shoot guns and stuff. And, I, you know, I put it right on the money spot, and, you know, it ends up shooting it high neck. Obviously, the gun's pretty – and that's at 30 yards. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the gun's pretty off. Yeah, so, a little bit. Yeah, we're a little high and to the left. <laughs> so, um, deader than a doornail. Gary, this deer is huge. I mean, he – I was I was heavily in the gym at that point. I was in good shape. I could hardly ba- – I barely got him in the back of that Explorer. If a man wants to know what kind of shape he's in, Dude. go drag a deer. Because once that adrenaline rush is gone – 
and you hook to those horns and you start pulling it behind you, it's a totally different world. You'll start gasping. Yep. Your arms and let your, the back of your thighs will be burning you, boy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I dragged him about 100 yards out of there. And some, like, honestly, somehow got I think I got him in the back of that Explorer just through adrenaline. And that deer was huge. I had to put all the seats down. So I didn't field dress him. I meant to, yeah, I failed to mention that. Oh, so you drug him f- full. Full. Dude, oh, I don't know dang. how to field dress a deer. You didn't use well, they I, have YouTube back then. I didn't even have a I didn't have a butter knife on me, oh man. Oh my gosh. So so I'm like, dang, what do I do? So Caitlin? I call Caitlin and she's at work. she's a nurse and she's uh at this point she was working night shift, so and so she was already at work and she actually answered and I was like, Hey, I just killed a deer, you know. I was like, pretty excited and she was like, Where are you hunting at? I was like, Over here at Walter Hill at Clifford's. And she was like, what? And instantly she was like, do not tell my dad that you shot a deer over there. And she was like, what is it? I was like, it's an eight-pointer. And she was like, oh, my God. Target buck. And so I got – my feelings got hurt instantly because I was like, man, you know, I was kind of like – I thought she'd be real excited. Mm -hmm. Anyways, so I drive. And when I say eight-point, dude, this was a non-traditional – he had bad genetics. His antlers were all over the daggum place. I mean, it could have been like a 12 or 13 point if you want to go off the rule that a ring can hang off mm-hmm. of it or whatever. But, I mean, come on, man. I mean, it was only, he was only about, you know, 12 inches tall, and it was all, it was not wide at all, just straight up. Just trash. Ca- chaos. Just trash. That's awesome. But big body deer, man, like huge. Yeah. And so – I took the I took the deer to my parents' house, and I show up, and my dad's like, "Oh man, killed a deer!" He's so excited, and that's what I was looking for. I was looking for somebody to be excited that I just smoked this deer, and dude, we put that deer in my dad's garage on a blue tarp, <laughs> and my dad printed off instructions on Google of how to field dress a deer, and we it took us like two hours. Oh my gosh, <laughs> just to get him. Just to gut him, because he was falling it step by step, and you know it's like start at the sternum, and he's like, all right, where's the sternum on the like deer? A one inch like, horizontal cut. Dude, <laughs> we were doing that type of stuff. So, anyways, man, we end up they they live in a neighborhood, but behind them is woods and a creek and all that. So we were able to dump the guts, and then we drove to Woodbury at like ten o'clock at night. And uh, man, I can't remember that place. Sue's? Uh, no, it wasn't Sue's. Um, K and D, K and D. Yep. Yeah, we went there and uh, I used to take deer to him. Yeah, they they um they cut up my first deer for me, but and man, I cut that deer's head off, and I don't know where I heard it from, but somebody was like, "Oh man, if you want, if you want your skull to get cleaned out pretty quick, just uh, tie it to a tree branch, zip tie it to a tree branch, and just leave it there." So I zip tied it to a tree branch. In my parents' backyard, two weeks later, gone. Coyotes. I don't know. Yeah. Kids, coyotes. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do have a lot of woods behind their house, so. Yeah. And coyotes are everywhere. Yeah. And, man, I, I'd kill to have that thing. But, I bet. Yeah. I probably should go stomping around back in there. It's probably half rotten by now. but You, you might still find it. 
Never know. Squirrels chew on them so bad here, though. Super bad. It's hard to find sheds here because the squirrels find them just as soon as they fall off. Mm-hmm. I put a, uh, I killed a little four-point not too long ago and just hung it on my woodshed. And uh, I would measure every year how much the squirrels were chewing on it. And now it's down <clears throat> just the skull cap. Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, it probably took them two years, but they gnawed the, all the antlers down to just the skull cap. I guess they... Is calcium in them? Is that what it yeah, is? It's got calcium. There's a lot of stuff. vitamins. I think they sharpen their teeth on them, though. Yeah. They chew one up pretty good. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So, yeah, that was my, of course, my first deer story is a disaster like most most things I do for the first time. But. Well, me too. My, <laughs> one, one of my first deer hunts with a buddy of mine, his name's Wade Wicker. He lives in Newberry, South Carolina. He wanted to take me hunting. I was like, all right, let's go. So I just bought a new digital watch, you know, and of course I didn't know how to use it. It just tell time, right? Yeah. So we're sitting out there and we hiked out probably three quarter of a mile out in the woods and I'm sitting on one side of this big oak at the base of it. He's sitting on the other side of it and uh, this eight point starts coming down the hill right in front of us. I mean, it was a nice eight point. Mm-hmm. It was heavy horned, good body. What were we all sitting in? Uh, on the ground. You sitting on the ground? Just sitting on the ground. Nice. And we didn't have to wear orange down there. So that helps out a little bit, you know? And, yeah. And uh, so we're sitting there, and Wade's looking at me. He's like, I said, wait, here comes a deer. And he's like, all right. And he's like, you going to shoot it? And I was like, oh, yeah. So I pull my gun up. I'm looking at it. And he, I said, it's got to clear this tree because the tree had crossed it right at its body. Yeah. I said, it's got to clear this tree. And he's like, all right, as soon as it clears, shoot it. I said, okay. So I'm sitting there, and I'm on it, you know, I'm on it, just waiting for it to take a step. I could see it was cold that morning. And you're freehanding it, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no scope, Ooh. anything. No no rest, anything. Yeah. So uh, I'm watching it, and uh, about that time, the deer steps out from the tree, and I've got the, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, my watch. The alarm was set on my watch, and no. I didn't know it. And it's beep, 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 no. beep, 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 beep. And that deer starts blowing and just takes off running. Oh, my God. And Wade's like, what the hell is that? I said, it's my watch. Dang, dude. He still picks at me to this day, and that's been 30 years ago. Wow. He still picks at me about that. I mean, the timing Yeah. in that is just wow. And whoever set that watch at the store... I wish I could find them now. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah. Turn that little thing. All right. Is that got it? Yeah, it might, dude. Yeah. This ain't high-dollar equipment in here. We're we're podcasting on a budget in here, boys. This is beer budget works. <laughs> hey, it works for me. Champagne taste beer budget. Yes, sir. But it doesn't matter. I can clean up any audio. I'm getting kind of slick at this technology stuff, Gary. Hmm. But I'm I, glad there's people like you that are. Man, I'm not one of them guys. I mean, I messed around with computers in college and some of my first jobs I had, but it's kind of, I mean, dude, the last 10 years, I ain't been messing with anything mm. technology-wise. I've been working with my hands. So. Yeah. But, yeah, you. man, I've uh, I've definitely had some some iPhones go off turkey hunting before, and they don't mess around. Mm-mm. Turkeys are gone. I mean, 100 yards away, they hear ding, they're chung. Out of so. here. Yeah. Have I ever told you that story about me and Kaylin turkey hunting? I don't think so. So, the first time I ever went turkey hunting was with Kaylin, too. 
and she killed a good bird. It's actually that that one on the wall right there, mm. that fan mount. Um, and they have a, they have a lot of good turkeys out there. And it is a good bird. And um, see, I wasn't aware of the spurs thing. Mm. I I was always I like the beards because that's what you can see when mm-hmm. you see them. Sure. You know. But I know they drag the ground. They can only get so big, technically. So, um, anyways, we went turkey hunting one morning, and she was like, "Just sit here. I'm gonna call your first bird in." And I was like, "Okay." So she's hitting the call, hitting the call, and we see some like 200 yards in the distance, and she's and they they just would not come. There, I think there was a a female, and there was like two toms. They were kind of following her around, and uh, she's like, "All right, we're gonna have to." go deep in the woods, take a trail and circle back around and pop out on the other side of this field over by them. And hopefully we can get in the tree line over there and smoke one. I was like, all right. So we, I mean, it took forever. And I'm not as patient as she is, especially with hunting. And man, we slow walked, crawled through the woods for like an hour. And in my mind, I'm like, they're gone. Like, this is stupid. Like waste of time. This is a waste of time. Like, they're not going to be there. So I was getting frustrated. <clears throat> and we finally sneak up to the tree line. And as soon as we peek over the tall grass, she was like, oh, yeah, they're right there. And I was like, no way. So I look up, and she's kind of sitting, like, right here, and the field's, like, right here. And, I, and I'm falling, I'm falling. And it was a pretty long shot, man. They were probably, like, a good 40 yards away. And, uh, Did you have your Mossberg? Yeah, yeah. I had a little turkey choke in it, you know. By then, I was feeling dangerous. <laughs> so, I, I thought she said, shoot. But she, apparently, she didn't. She said, she said shh, because mm. I was being loud. So, I just lined one of them up. I don't think I had a rhyme or reason, but I picked one out. Boom! That turkey flies up in the air. Boom! Hits the ground. Oh, you nailed it. I was like, hell yeah. So it starts flopping around the ground. Of course, I jump up, and then I just went over there and gave it the A-Town stomp a couple times. (laughs) (laughs) And then it was still flopping around. And Kalen was like, just leave it alone. It's going to die. Like, like, don't just just let it be, and let's go back here and sit down for a minute, and we'll come back. I was like, no. And it it was kept flopping around. Dude, I freaking... blew the head off of it right then and there because <laughs> i wanted to kill a turkey so bad i was like i, I was afraid it was going to get away yeah. and so man i'm glad that my wife was patient with me in our our first like two year year or two of dating because i did some really stupid shit when we were hunting together but yeah. man she taught me a lot and i'm, I'm thankful that's for that. good yeah that's good. yeah but anyways um i wanted to ask you because I've been having some difference in opinion in what people think about this. How do you sight your deer rifle in? So I put it on a a vice. Uh-huh. I put it dead center at 100 yards, okay. pull the trigger. Okay. Okay. And then I see where the bullet hits through the scope. Mm-hmm. And I put it back on dead center, I'm and I adjust my, adjust my crosshairs to that point where okay. it hits. And in theory... You're on. Three shots, you're on. Okay. That's how Caitlin's dad taught me how to mm-hmm. sight a gun in, and that's how me and him do it every year. And 
It's what per- I do. It's perfect. It is. Dude, in three bullets, mm-hmm. I can cut a hole in the middle of it at 100 yards every time. Yep. He likes his, like, like an inch, inch high, high or something like that. At 100. Uh, so he's dead on at 200, typically. Yeah, I I don't see a whole lot of 200-yard shots where I hunt. Mm-hmm. So I like dead on at 100. Mm-hmm. But, sure. you know, I mean, you know, whatever you like. but Dead on at 100 is going to still kill that animal at 200. Mm-hmm. Typically. Yeah. Because you're only going to drop an inch, maybe, depending on grain, depending on depending on grain, depending on what caliber you're shooting. Yeah. Um, so, I I mean, mm-hmm. I think you're good. We, uh, I'm going to grab another cerveza right. real quick. All right. You like my little, got my little whiskey. Josh got me this little Whiskey Myers, whiskey Myers. tab opener. It's kind of cool. Can't beat that. Yeah, I think they were giving them out. For, hey, shout out to Whiskey Myers. Yeah. But, um, man, I, we uh, we went out there with another guy one year, and he wanted to sight his deer rifle in with us. You know how men are sometimes. Like, I don't want to tell. Like, first of all, I'm not going to. If, if you show up with your stuff, I'm going to assume that you know what you're doing. And then if you start doing something – a different way than I would do it. Well, that doesn't mean it's wrong. I'm just not gonna be. I'm not the guy that's like, oh man, this is how I do it. Right? Man, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, dude. So me and me and Jeffro, we. I mean, our guns weren't that bad off anyways, and we sighted our guns in. You know, three, four, five bullets, and we even sighted our muzzle loaders in in like three or four shots. And then this guy, dude, he. <laughs> Goes through a box. He went through a whole box. Yeah. And he was like, I'm going to have to come back. And we were, and we were like, hey, man, like, do you have, like, two more bullets with you? And he was like, uh, let me look. And he had, like, two more bullets in his, like, console, his truck or something. And I was like, do you want me to tell you how we did it? And he And he was like, oh, well, you know, it's my gun. I, I don't know. I think my – and I was like, well – I said, just let, just let me see it. So I did, you know, how we do it, centered it up, bang, and it was shooting, I think, high to the left, kept it real still, clicked it over, and uh, put one more in it, bang. I mean, it was like, I think it was right on the center a little bit to the left, like not something you could definitely hunt with. Sure. And he was like, dang, man. And I was like, yeah, dude. <laughs> he's like well i just grew up like you felt like chris kyle did you dude i felt i mean yeah when, once you make it to the level where you can teach people outside a gun and you feel pretty good after yeah. and i'm not acting like i'm somebody because you've heard all the stupid <laughs> stories i got <laughs> but yeah man i think a lot of people put a lot of effort in i mean i and i still know some boys that will line a tree knot up and shoot it and click click and shoot it and I don't know how them sniper guys do it, man. Those guys are on another level. Dude, they are accounting for, like, wind. And they can take, like, one shot, see where it is, and they'll be like, you know, so and so many clicks, and they'll just sit there. I mean, they don't even leave the caps on their – because they're messing with them all the time. Yeah. Yeah, those guys are on another level. Speaking of, would you say – you told me a story about shooting a coyote pretty far. Yeah. uh, We were in Mexico. And I had bought a Christensen Arms 
6.5 Creedmoor with carbon fiber barrel. Put a uh, Leupold VX3 4.5 by 14 scope on it. Mm. And uh, it's a pretty cool scope because it has a, it's, it's a CDS, which is custom dial. So you dial it in at 100 yards or 200 yards. Mm-hmm. Then you send all your information into Leupold, and they'll send you a new dial. So you sight it in at 200 yards with the dial that comes with the gun or 100 yards, whatever you want. And then you send them your what bullet you use, what grain you use, what the typical temperature is, what your elevation typically is. And there's variances in there. It's mm-hmm. already built in. I forgot what all the information is. There's several things you got to send them. Yeah. They'll send you back a dial that's set up for that particular caliber, that particular bullet, that particular temperature, that particular elevation. Mm-hmm. And then you range it. If it's at 500 yards, you turn it to five. Oh, Heard wow. the crosshairs dead on it, pull the trigger. Really? Uh, just for wind. Dude, that's sick. I might have to. You're fitting to spend some of my money in here. Keep mm. going. So they're, they're pretty cool. <laughs> they're pretty cool. And they have different. They have a VX6 that does the same. Yeah. Um, so depending on how much money you want to spend. Yeah. So I had this four and a half by 14 scope on there, dialed in at 200 yards. Me and my buddy were in Mexico. His name's Ron. We're out there and, uh, we'd already shot our animals and we're riding around the side by side, just, uh, drinking tequila, finding other stuff to shoot. There's javelina down there. There's coyotes. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, there's even, uh, mountain lions. Didn't, so you, didn't you tell me it was some terrible tequila? It was bad. <laughs> right? so it was, was I remember bad. you telling me, like, I was awful. It was bad. Every time I took a drink, he's like, you had to hold your nose. I can't wait to brush my teeth. <laughs> yeah. It was the worst tequila I've ever had in my life. <laughs> and the bad part of it is I don't even remember what brand it was, so I didn't buy it again. That's so. good. <laughs> so we're riding around, and, and we'd had a few shots, and we're, we're uh, looking for other animals to, to smoke. And yeah. Sure enough, we look up on this ridge, and there's two coyotes coming down this ridge, and they're following this trail coming down. He said, hey, what's the furthest you ever shot an animal? Hmm. And I said, I don't know, probably 500 yards. He's like, all right. And he said, well, let's, uh, let's see what we can do on uh, ranging some rocks along this, his trail that he's following and get you one further out. I was like, all right. So we start ranging. He said, you see that boulder right there? I said, yeah. He said, 605. He said, set up on it. He said, how far does your scope go out? I said, 550. And he said, all right. He said, well, just aim a little high. And Ron's real good with, with rifles. Yeah. I mean, he's real smart. He studies his stuff. And he spends the money to, to learn and, and mm-hmm. is a good shot. So I'm, I've dropped my bipod. I'm laying in the middle of this dirt road. This coyote's coming right down the trail just like what we thought. He said, as soon as it gets to that, that boulder, I'm going to yell and scream. I'm like, all right. He said, be on it. And I said, okay. So he gets to that, that boulder. He starts just screaming his head off. This coyote stops, looks right at us. I pull the trigger. You can see the vapor trail. Boom. No. Nails it. Nails the coyote at 6.05. Oh. He's like, holy shit, you hit it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, With a 6.5 Creedmoor. He said, but here's the problem. He said, no body, no kill. Oh, dude. I know what that means. And, uh. I said, you still got that bottle of tequila? And he's like, yeah. I said, give it to me. So I take the bottle of tequila, put it in my pocket. I would have done the same thing. I'm like, half this sucker might be gone the time I get back, dude. Yeah. Dude, I, I strip everything off backpack, gun, everything. I take my rifle with me just in case I run into something, you yeah. know, rattlesnake or whatever. Yeah. 
So I take off, and, uh, dude, I ran into the mini Grand Canyon. I mean, it's only 600 yards, but, you know, that, that's, that sounds easy to walk 600 yards. I mean, that's – But you're in old Mexico. Yeah. I mean, six six football fields doesn't sound bad to walk, but it's not like that. No. Yeah. No, not flat no, at all. No. So I get to the first mini Grand Canyon, and I'm going down this thing, get to a creek bottom – go across the creek bottom, come up the other side of the mini Grand Canyon, get to another mini Grand Canyon. There's two of them, two of these gorges in between us. Mm-hmm. I pick the coyote up, put him on my shoulders, take me a drink of tequila, and hike back. <laughs> I get back to him. He's got the he's the manliest man you'll ever meet, but he's got the weakest stomach you'll ever find. Really? And so we get back, and I throw the coyote down, and he you know hugs me and stuff, and he's like, he just starts gagging right there. He's like, "Dude, you gotta take that vest off." You oh yeah, nasty. Oh, it was blood all over gut me. Shot. Where'd you hit it? In the gut. Really? Uh, yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, you're not gonna dial it in. No, no. I hit it right in the gut, and it was nasty. And uh, we take it back, and uh, there's some local ranchers that stay on the ranch that take care of the cattle and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I ask him, I say, "Hey, you guys want this coyote? If not." We're going to chunk it. Mm. And he's like, oh, no, we make a rug out of it. I'm like, all right, oh, cool. really? So we give him a coyote, and I That's guess they sick. make a rug out of it. And Heck, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Man, so so obviously you've hunted in Mexico. Mm-hmm. What were you all hunting for when you were in Mexico? Coos deer. It's a variety of whitetail. Coos deer. Mm-hmm. I mean. They're small. They're, they're about the size of a greyhound okay. dog. And they're, they're really elusive because – You'll spot them a mile away, and you'll you can stay on them the whole time. Yeah. And once you get set up to see them, they'll, they'll lay down in the grass or by a tree, and they're gone. Mm-hmm. Man, like you seem like you stay in like pretty pretty decent shape. Is that because like a lot of those like trips? They're hard. Yeah. They're real hard. Well, because you know I'm sure you follow like Cameron Haynes and mm-hmm. some of these some of these big time bow hunting guys, and they're all in like insane shape mm-hmm. because. I think you kind of have to be. Yeah, it's I mean, not like Ted Nugent. Shape, yeah. You know, you can't be like Ted Nugent on some of these hunts that I go on. Cause <laughs> no, because you, man, you've gone. So, I know you've hunted all kinds of whitetail, mm-hmm. elk, right? Mm-hmm. Hogs, mm-hmm. bear. Mm-hmm. I mean, caribou, caribou, mm-hmm. antelope. Dang, what's your favorite out of all of them? Elk. Really. Mm-hmm. Two reasons. I love to hear the bugle. It's got to be sick. And then the food. The, the elk meat is yeah. the best wild game. I know that's a Joe Rogan thing. And, yeah. And, but this was before Joe Rogan. Elk meat, by yeah. far, was my favorite. Well, I mean, I'm sure he's being sincere when he says mm-hmm. that it's some of the so – he, he's always talking about he gives it out to his friends and stuff, and everybody loves it. I've never, I've never eaten elk meat. Mm. So wish I'd known that. I got some elk burger at home. We'll, have to, we'll grill them up. Man, deer's my like just plain old deer meat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of got fed up with the processing places around here because they were Sue's closed, candy and, closed. Yeah, man. So I didn't want to ever get myself in a situation to where I didn't have somewhere to take it. Mm-hmm. So I bought like all the the vacuum sealer, the the meat grinder. You know my hooks are out here mm-hmm. with the winch and all that so i just started doing my own i mean i can't do like i'm sure i could if i 
tried to learn, but I don't, I don't make like summer sausage or anything, yeah. which I do like that. That's always tasty. Yeah. But I mean, as far as just steaks and the ground meat and stuff like that, mm-hmm. man, it didn't take me that long. No. And I mean, even if you don't have a grinder, you can chunk that meat up mm-hmm. and just make little steak chunks, yeah. basically. Throw them in a skillet. Throw that in a skillet or throw that in a <clears throat> pot of stew or something, man. And, it's so uh, good. Me and Kaylin, we, we, I don't add fat Mm-mm. to it because we, we like to eat lean, you know. I mean, we don't we try to eat even like ground turkey meat and stuff like that if we're making tacos or something. But uh, I'm like, yeah, if it's lean, that's, that's better for me. I'm good. The next time, though, I'll tell you what's really good. You can take that when you're making a deer burger, go yeah. get bacon. Yeah. And grind the bacon up with the deer burger. Mm-hmm. Use that as the fat. Yeah. Then when you cook the burger, it sticks together. Yeah. Plus, you're eating a bacon burger every time you have that deer yeah. meat. It is so good. No, I've heard people say that. Mm-hmm. So. That's what I do. All my deer, I put bacon in it. Yeah. I was disappointed, man, because this past year, I didn't, it's the first time I didn't kill a deer since the first season I ever hunted. Mm. And I hunted a lot. And I got skunked, man. I don't know what happened. Uh, I mean, I'm talking, I went through a stretch where I wasn't even seeing deer. Hmm. Me and Evan went on right around Christmas when it was like, remember how cold it was? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was really like cold. negative five. Right. And. It should have been moving. Man, me and him went and sat all day in uh, my hunting blind. And I cheat a little bit. It's got, It's got a heater in there and. You know, two computer chairs, and it's insulated and all that. Yeah. But, dude, I mean, it was cold, man. Like, cold to the point where, did you hunt during that? Yeah, yeah, I did. Were you outside, outside? Oh, yeah, I was in a two-man stand, lifted two-man stand. Oh, boy. Yeah. <sighs> so. Like 17 hot hands duct taped to your legs. I bet, man. <laughs> it, that was, because, you know, I'm, from, I'm born and raised in Tennessee, man. I'm not really used to that kind of cold. That was, yeah. Brutal. I mean, Evan showed up out here to hunt, and my electric gate down here was frozen shut, so it was like freaking out. And I was in here; I had the wood stove going and all mm-hmm. that. And I started to walk down there to help him get the gate open, and I was just wearing a hoodie and like uh, my camo pants. And dude, I was fur- like, I was hurting; mm-hmm. like stuff was aching, and I was like, "Oh no, yeah, <laughs> oh no." Yeah. But you're talking about rabbits earlier, and I don't want to forget this story. Yeah. But uh, we were down in Mexico, I think it was this past year. In January, we go to Mexico. It's about an hour drive across the border uh, mm-hmm. from Douglas, Arizona, across. And there's a ranch out there that's been in this guy's family since Pancha Villa. I mean, it's, it's 36,000 acres, I think it is. Wow. One guy owns it. He runs cattle on it, and uh, he lets us hunt on it. Mm-hmm. So we're down there, and we'd already punched our tickets on, on our coos deer. My buddy, Ron, had killed a, a really nice mule deer down there. So we always like to have little competitions, right? So we had plenty of side-by-sides down there. We could just run the whole ranch. And uh, so he's like, all right, everybody put $100 in, and whoever comes back with blood like javelina, you know, because we could kill some javelina and mm-hmm. stuff, you know. And the people down there, the ranch, it, it, and this is the good part, nothing goes to waste. Yeah. So we're not killing to just be killing. Yeah. The people on the ranch are real appreciative of all the meat that we donate to them. Because oh, wow. they don't. It's awesome. Don't, Y'all donate, donate some meat to them? All of it. Oh, wow. Even our coos deer. 
Nice. We, the mule deer, the is coos deer. Is it just deer. a pain to bring back because you got to go through customs? It's not bad. Really? I mean, it's not really that hard, uh, just as long as um, the hides are harder than anything. Mm. The hides, you have to pick ticks off of them. And we pulled, the first year we were down there, we pulled 720-something ticks. I, I quit counting off of my hide. My hide got confiscated at the border because it still had five ticks alive on it. And we ether it. Wow. Put it in a bag, ether it, freeze it, and then comb it and pull ticks off of it. They were still alive? They are still alive. And they confiscate it. You can either go back across the border, pick ticks again, come back. I think it's the third time they confiscate it. And I was like, the first time I was like, forget this. I'm not going back across the border. I mean, what do they do with it? Trash it. Yeah. And my thing is, is those ticks are going to crawl under the fence if they (laughs) want to. That's stupid. But anyway, um, so we're down there and we're riding around and me and him, you know, we're, we're having a good time and uh, we're listening to music and just jamming and, and riding around looking for Havelina to kill. We want that money, right? We're, mm. We want to win the competition. The money doesn't really, it's the competition. Yeah. So nobody, you know, we're, we split up in three different buggies. So there's six of us out trying to bring blood back. Yeah. So we're on our way back. We haven't seen any Havelina, nothing to kill. And they got these big jackrabbits down there oh really huge jackrabbits so this jackrabbit takes off i said stop 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 he's like what do you see a javelina i'm like just stop and i reach around and grab my rifle 300 prc a jack one in it i jump out there's this jackrabbit standing i shoot the jackrabbit with a 300 prc it exploded oh it was bad i went picked it up Threw it in the back. I said, we're not going back empty-handed. <laughs> he's like, Dang. he's like, you're the man. <laughs> That's awesome. Good Lord. Yeah. I think every, I think at some point in everyone's life, if, you, if, if you're into hunting, you shot an animal with way too big of a gun <laughs> or caliber of a bullet yeah. before, you know what I mean? Yeah, if not, then you're not a hunter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've definitely... I've definitely done that. So yeah. that's funny, man. How did how did you how did you find uh, like how did you get hooked up to go in, into Mexico and hunt? So uh, again, my buddy Ron, you know, loves to hunt. He mm-hmm. lives out in California. Yeah, and uh, he's always just looking for something else to do. Yeah, and so and me and him, we think a lot alike when it comes to hunting. You know, we get out there, we like to hunt hard. Mm-hmm. and we like to have fun yeah and so and he was just like hey let's what do you think about going to mexico this year i'm like sure let's try it yeah so we go down and we hook up he finds an outfitter that uh can turn us onto this land and stuff so the first year we actually went hunting with the outfitter on this this guy's property mm-hmm. and uh we went out there and we hunted and had a good time and everything so We've been, I think, five times now down there, and it's it's if you do all if you cross your T's and dot your I's, it's easy to get your firearm across. Yeah. The border. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's like instructions to follow. There is. And if you do that, then but, usually it works out fine. But if you get a good outfitter, we use this guy named it's J Scott Outfitters. Yeah. If you use somebody reputable like him that's done it year over year. J. Scott Outfitters. Mm-hmm. He's real easy to, to get across. You send him your gun information. Okay. And he he takes care of getting your permits for you. 
Oh, nice. And so all you do is you get to the border. They, on the American side, they look at your rifle. They verify that your paperwork lines up with what your rifle is. Mm-hmm. Make sure you don't have over, I think it's uh, 100 cartridges. So I always just take two boxes with me, so 40 cartridges. Should be plenty. Sure. Yeah. And uh, then after you check in with them, you got to check in with the Mexican side. They issue you this little piece of paper. I call it like a library card. Mm-hmm. And so you have to keep that with you at all times. That means that they've allowed you to bring your rifle into the, that country okay. from another country. Wow. Then you got to check in with the Mexican military. Oh. The Mexican military, you go to their little fort that they have down there. Mm-hmm. You open it up. He verifies the paperwork matches up. And then he issues you another little library card. Mm-hmm. So the whole time you're down there, you got to keep up with that paperwork. Yeah, and then you go to the cartel and get one from them. <laughs> yeah. Or you leave them a kilo, one of the two. Yeah. Whichever one works. Either you buy a kilo or from give them, them one or... of your rifles. <laughs> exactly. God. So uh, then you go on about your hunt. And on the way back, you do everything in reverse order. You go to the Mexican military. Really? They check everything, make sure you're still same rifles, same cartridges, you okay. know, all that kind of stuff. And then you go to the mexican customs mm-hmm. they check it and then you go to the american side they check it mm-hmm. and then you go on about your business no wonder people just get a canoe and go across the rio grande yeah that sounds like a lot but i bet it's not too bad it's not it yeah. takes about probably two hours to get oh, across the I border mean, hell man when we go to an all-inclusive in jamaica or something when we come back and uh hit american customs mm-hmm. sometimes it's like that yeah and i got a passport and a Tennessee state ID and all that. And they're looking at me like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, dude, I ain't bringing nothing back but a hangover. Right. I mean? <laughs> right. Jeez. But that's awesome, man. I, I bet a lot of people don't, don't even think about, uh, you know, going across country line to hunt. Man, the culture down there, the people down there are so nice. Yeah, everybody that we've ran into in in old Mexico, yeah, at the border and stuff, you know, have just been just good people. The the yeah. ranchers, you know, the guys that actually run the cattle and everything, they don't speak English. Yeah, but you can communicate with them, just like they had this. Okay, the first year we went down there, the way you take a hot a hot shower was is they had a hot water heater outside. Mm. You build a fire up underneath the hot water heater. Yeah. heats the water that's spring-fed yeah. into the hot water heater. The pressure from the heating it up pushes it into the house, and so you get the, you get spit on you know, at the shower head because mm-hmm. there's not a lot of pressure, right? So that's how you take a shower. So that's how these people live, 365 days a year. Man, we take things for granted here. Exactly. Exactly. I had Evan on, and you know he's gone all over the world to all these different countries, and he always says, like, Man, people in other countries are so, like, hospitable, mm-hmm. and they're, like, give you everything they have. And he's like, and they, a lot of times they don't have much. Yeah, no. And they're completely fine with the way they're living. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in America we're crying if we crack the phone on our or, you know, screen on our iPhone. Mm-hmm. It's like, I bet trips like that put things in perspective a little bit. They do. They do. And so that's the reason why we like, you know, <clears throat> donating our meat to them. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They, they take the javelina and they make chorizo out of it. Oh, that sounds good. They make good chorizo sausage. And, oh. and what's funny is you'll kill a javelina today, and mm. by the end of the week, they're like, hey, you want some chorizo? 
Yeah. And they'll come over and cook you up and breakfast like, with fresh chorizo. Oh, man, that sounds – chorizo's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dang, that's awesome, dude. But it's cool. They uh, And they're, they're just so hospitable. Just like one time I went outside and they had this big – it was like the bottom of a propane tank, you know, like the, the round end of a propane tank. Mm-hmm. They had it sitting over a fire. And I said, hey, what are you doing? And, you know, you have to communicate with a lot with hands and gestures and yeah. stuff. And, of course, I always – use words too but they don't understand it but uh he's like chicken chicken i'm like okay so i watched him you know and he pours a little bit of put some oil in there like crisco basically you know yeah. like the white fat mm-hmm. puts that in there he takes his chicken out salt and peppers it throws it inside this propane cylinder looking thing heck yeah cooks chicken right there takes the chicken out throws in a bunch of hand cut potatoes and he's like you want to eat I'm like, yeah, I want to eat, you Sounds know? Sounds good, man. <laughs> so right there over an open fire, these guys are cooking for you. What is it about you. What is it about those, like, open fire, like, outside cooked meals? Why are they so much better? I don't know. Because a lot of times, like, you don't even have, like, all your seasonings or, you know, yeah. all the things we think we need to make our food delicious or something. Mm-hmm. And you'll see, like, some people just – cooking outside with whatever they got and it's always like so much better it is even when me and kaylin go camping Mm -hmm. when we cook at the campground it seems like the food's better yeah i was just talking to my wife to to dana today and i was like hey what are those things we used to cook whenever we would go camping and they're hobo dinners is what she called them Mm -hmm. i think my mom made those aluminum foil with cabbage and hamburger and, Mm -hmm. and onion cut up on top of it and tomato sauce poured on it and then you fold it up and throw it in the fire yep those are awesome my mom made that exact same thing but she threw in ramen noodles oh a pack of ramens we always put potatoes in ours (laughs) (laughs) i bet ramen would be good it's not bad i'm gonna tell you that dude i used to tear them up yeah that's awesome man mexico's fun hunt though yeah um I built, or I didn't really build, I bought a rifle, that 300 PRC I mentioned earlier. And because every year down there, I've never shot anything less than 400 yards. Everything's been 400 plus. Mm-hmm. Because you can't sneak up on those deer. You, can't, you don't have a, st- a stand or anything. You sit in your glass for hours. You'll yeah. sit on this one ridge and just glass the hillside, the same hillside. You'll look at it for five, six hours. Oh, wow. A lot of patience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then, you know, you'll see a deer, and then you've got to make a play on it. And so you got to get within range of your shooting ability. So mm-hmm. 400 yards uh, was the closest I'd ever gotten to a deer down there to shoot. So I built this 300 PRC because I was using my 6.5 Creedmoor, which I'm fine with, but I wanted something, you know, kind of like the, being an American. You want something a little more powerful, right? So this PRC, I don't know if you're familiar with them, it stands for Precision Range Cartridge. So it's like a, a the new sniper rifle round that they're using. It flies flatter than a 300 Win Mag, but has almost as much BC as a 338 Lapua. And so they're real stout, and but they don't have as much kick to them, and, and they're a really good round. So made this rifle, put a Vortex scope on it, and uh, and it's basically the same. I have to have a dope card for it so I can dial it. Mm where i want to yeah so build this rifle spend all this money on this rifle and the scope to go down there and shoot something long range so first year i had this thing with me i killed my uh coos deer at 50 yards no 61 yards 61 oh, wow. yards that's easy shooting yeah 
And then I, I had a mule deer tag as well. So I got to kill my mule deer at 151 yards. Nice. So I looked at my buddy, and he's a long-range shooter out of Casa Grande, Arizona. And I'm mm. like, dude, I can't go home and not have stretched this thing out. Yeah. He's like, what do you want to do? I said, I want to shoot this thing way out there. So we start ranging rocks down there. And he's like, I got one. It's about an eight-inch rock. It's got a white face on it at 1,260 yards. God. What do you think? I'm like, perfect. So I dropped a bipod, lay down in the same dirt road. It was only like 500 yards from where I'd shot the coyote mm-hmm. a few years before. So he's got his Swarovski uh, spot and scope with a phone mount on it and stuff, you know, and he says, all right, I'm, I'm going to say spotter ready. You say shooter ready, and I'll say fire. I said, okay, cool. So we get up there. I'm set up on it. He says, spotter ready. I said, shooter ready. He said, fire. Pull the trigger. You can see the the uh, vapor trail. Yeah. 1,260 yards. Pow. Hit that rock. Dude, how, uh, hold on. How many yards are in a mile? That's, what, 1,570? I'm going to look this Something up. Something like that. It's just short of a mile. I'm going to look that up because I feel like you're out here Chris Kyle on this thing. <laughs> how many yards in a mile? 1760. 1760. Yep, so that's yep. 500 Dang. yards shot. Just, <laughs> you pulled it up just as quick as iPhone did. Yeah. <clears throat> it but, go through the chambers in my brain. Wow. That's uh, that's impressive. So I was I was excited that that gun would do that. He told me to hold left three clicks, mm-hmm. you know, because like I said, he shoots long range. He has the same setup that he shoots long range with, and he's shooting out to 1,700 yards. Wow. In Casa Grande. I wonder if you can even shoot. Is that pretty much like the, almost the limit? I don't feel like. I don't know. I think you're limited to your ability, one. And yeah. I think you're limited to your glass. At what? Mm, yeah. At what point does like though the bullet just like kind of lose a little bit of, I mean, I guess like, at some point it's kind of like a fallen rock kind of thing. Yeah, I'd say. I'd say. Because they, they always say, oh, if you drop a penny off the Empire State Building, it'll kill somebody. Mm-hmm. So I guess at some point, it's kind of like that. Yeah. I guess you could look up ballistic coefficient is the big thing, right? Yeah. You could look up ballistic coefficient for the round you're shooting, and it does it by yards and tells you how hard it's hitting at That's 500 insane. yards. That's at so crazy. 900 yards. And you can see how much it, it uh, decreases. That's so far beyond anything i've ever thought about shooting because around here you usually hunting us you know a field surrounded by woods and it's not you're not going to get that far first year you'll love this story first year i go to texas so we go to texas every year for the past 12 yeah. years and uh first year i go to texas you know i didn't i didn't know much about hunting in texas or anything right i'm mm-hmm. used to hunting around here yeah. And hunting in South Carolina, everything's 50, 60 yards. Yeah. Everything's in the woods, right? Mm-hmm. So we go out there, and my buddy, he's sitting in the blind. It was cold outside. He pulls out these freaking binoculars that you could see miles with and stuff, you know, <laughs> and he's looking, and he's like, hey, feel free to pull your binoculars out whenever you want to. Yeah. I'm like, all right. So I reached down. You know those ones that come with, like, Reader's Digest whenever you – like, ones you hit a button and they pop open? Yeah. Those were my binoculars. Oh, Because I yeah. didn't know, yeah. right? So I pull these things out. He's like, what are those? 
I said, how's my binoculars, He's man? He's bird watching b That's what he man. told me. He's like, we're not out here bird watching. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he makes fun of me about my binoculars. And uh, he's, a little bit later, he says, hey, you got those binoculars on you? And I'm like, yeah, right here. Why, you want to borrow them? He's like, yeah, there's a bird standing on the ledge of the stand. I want to see what kind it is. <laughs> I think it's a bluebird, yeah. but it could be wrong. So we always, you know, we're always picking at one another, just having a good time, right? It don't, yeah. it don't offend me. I don't, I yeah. don't care. I think it's funny. That's funny, man. So then I had to go invest in me, you know, a nice pair of Leopold binoculars, and yeah. so I could see a little bit further out there, and. Mm-hmm. I haven't stepped up to the Swarovskis yet, man. Those things are 3K for a good pair of Swarovskis, and I just yeah, I don't use it enough, you know, a couple yeah. months a year. I mean, because so you've been to Mexico twice? Five times. Oh, five times? Mm-hmm. And you go to Texas every year? Mm-hmm. I don't know, Gary. <laughs> I mean, that might have to pass through the budget at some point. Yeah, yeah. I need but it. if you're already killing stuff at that far and you don't have them. Yeah, and I spot stuff. I can spot stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, those guys with the big binoculars, they yeah. don't see it. And then I'll spot it. I may not be able to tell how many points it has, or I may not be able to tell if it's a, a buck or a doe, but I can spot that deer yeah. out there. There was one that I spotted at almost a mile away with my my, little, my small Leopolds. Yeah. So I'm torn because I feel like you're going to shoot what your target is through your scope. But you're not going to see your target sometimes if you don't have something that's a little bit more, you know, powerful. So you might need those binoculars to – because sometimes it's hard to spot. And once you're on them and you actually spot them, then you're like, oh, okay, I'm locked in now. Mm -hmm. But the spotting thing is big because, I mean, there's been deer walk through the woods in front of me at, you know, 60 yards. And you can't – you know, I didn't – I was sitting there looking out of my blind – you know, I don't see anything. And then I just start glassing with my binox. And then I'm like, oh, there's, I see something horizontal over there, mm-hmm. you know. So, I don't know. Binoculars are important. They're important, especially when you're hunting out west. Because Holding the game. They're, they're, not, they're not just for you to see that animal pull your rifle up and shoot from that distance. They're for you to see that animal way over there mm-hmm. and then figure out how am I going to get closer to that animal to be yeah. able to shoot it. Yeah. That's the whole trick with yeah. binoculars. And another thing, like in Texas, you know, some of our blinds down there are two, three hundred yards away from feeders, and you're allowed to hunt over feed down there. What kind corn. of blinds are they? We have different kinds. We have uh, some pop-up blind, just yeah, and then we have some. Uh, there's this one. It's a. Uh, it's a, it, they're hard plastic with windows on them and stuff. They're kind of like a cheap version of the redneck, the redneck blind, blinds. but they're they're pretty cool. You know, you can get in there with a little buddy heater and stay warm if yeah. you want to. Not to pause you, how do you feel about the whole, like, I call them deer shacks. Mm-hmm. That's what Kalen calls them. So, but how do you, how do you feel about the whole, because when I was younger growing up until the last several years, I always hunted like outside in a tree stand or mm-hmm whatever and man the game has changed the the deer blinds have gotten big and people are decking them out i think as we get older that's what it is we like that yeah we don't want to be uncomfortable yeah 
as we get older. When you're young, yeah, look, I'll sit underneath that pine tree all day long yeah. and wait for something to crawl in front of me. Mm-hmm. Or I'll, I'll climb up a, a tree with my, my climber. Yeah. And I'll sit, sit there for seven hours, right? But as right. we get older, we're not. We're, we want a little more creature comfort. I mean, yeah. they're making some now that have ports for USB. They, you know, they have these built-in batteries that are solar powered with solar panels on top. You Dude, plug I'm, your phone up. I follow a page on Facebook. I don't know what's called Deer Blind something something, and some of these boys are building blinds on telephone poles. With like wood stoves in them, really, and all that, dude. Dang. You got TV in them, so yeah. you can go. I think, I think that if uh, one day if I own like a pretty big piece of property, yeah. I, I would have something like that. Yeah. It's like, man, I might sleep in here at night and then yeah. just wake up in the morning, look out the window, yeah. type of deal. Yeah, but, those are nice. Those are nice. All right, well, that's that makes me feel better because most, um, most I've gotten some hate for hunting out of the. Uh, out of the nice deer shacks with what they the, call that bougie yeah bougie hunting yeah out, out of the but man i'm i'm such a i'll sit in there for a couple of hours and then i like to stalk so. see i'm the opposite really when we go to texas there's a lot of guys that come out there from california with us mm-hmm. and they're used to the spot and stalking and stuff and i'm used yeah. to still hunting yeah and so i'll sit in a blind i'll get in there at 5 a.m i won't come out till 6 30 at night yeah I'll sit there all day long. I'll take me a lunch, some your, snacks. I was gonna say, what's your favorite deer snack or your hunting snacks? Ah, I like I take the little cans of tuna with me. Dang boy, like, yeah, that's some of a gun. I take a sandwich with me. Uh, uh, nutter butters. Yeah, you I love I love nutter butters. Yeah, too. I'll tell you one thing. Don't ever try to put a nutter butter on a little buddy heater, just to warm them up. You know, just to no. They they catch fire. Do they? <laughs> yeah. I was in Texas, man. Oh, man. We, I don't know if I ever want to eat one of those again. We put nutter butter. You're talking about the wrapper caught on fire or the whole thing? The whole thing. We That's took the nutter good. butter cookie. <laughs> That's not good. Out of the package, <laughs> laid it on top of the little buddy heater just to warm it up, you know? Yeah. Thought it'd be good. We're sitting there and we're glassing a little bit. And all of a sudden, what's that smell? Look down and the thing's flaming. Okay. Since we're on this topic, my father in law, I love the guy. He's very animated. He told me a story one time. Because he was like, you been hunting this year? Because we always go up there before deer season starts and clean out our hunting blinds, get the wafts nest out of them, all that crap. Yeah. Weed eat around them, all that good stuff. And uh, he goes, gum, I went up to the, the shack and I got in there and I cranked that heater up and I was sitting there. All of a sudden... The whole thing was filled up with smoke. There's a, a rat's nest behind that sucker, and it caught on fire. What because, kind of heater does he have? Like those little buddy heaters yeah, yeah. that just mount on the wall, and the, he hooks them to a full propane tank. Oh, nice. And they're supposed to be, I mean, I always put like some kind of ridge cap in mine. Yeah, so they vent. Yeah, yeah, a little vent. They say they're inside safe, but, Mm-mm. I mean, man, how safe are they for, I mean, that tight of a space? Sure. And I turn mine on for like 20 minutes, and I just turn it off. Mm-hmm. I'm done with it. But as long as the wind's not hitting you, I mean, I'm because you're already wearing warm stuff. Sure, so. sure. But yeah, if you're going hunting and you're hunting with them little heaters, make sure there's not a mouse nest behind it because yeah. it will blaze up on you. And don't put a, a nutter butter on top of it just <laughs> don't, to warm it up. Don't put a nutter butter on top of it. <laughs> Man, I've I've ended some hunts in some in some weird way. There's nothing worse. 
So I think every hunter can relate to this. There's nothing worse than when you, you get out there, because I don't drink coffee mm-hmm. when I go, before I go hunting. And I think you know this is going because you're smiling. guts. Dude, I don't know why, but as soon as I get up in there and sit down, I'm like, God dang Time it. to go. I got to take a daggum dump. Yep. And, man, sometimes it's like I can fight it off. And then sometimes, like, I had a big night last night. Me and the wife ate good. This ain't, this is. Don't fight it. This has got to come out. (laughs) Don't fight it. Dude, I've ended some hunts that way. I don't end them. So, Jagger calls me, my son, he calls me Woods Crapper. (laughs) Because one day we were sitting at the house, and uh, I don't know, we were, I had a few beers and stuff, and we were talking, and I was like, you know what? There just ain't nothing like taking a good dump in the woods. Oh, I agree. And he's like, are you crazy? And I'm like, no. I said, you find the perfect tree. You That's lean great. right up against it. You just, you're out there with nature. Uh-huh. And, you know, it just feels so good. Yeah. So that year I got my Father's Day card. He said, Woods Crapper. Just want to <laughs> let you know I love you. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Yeah. I've, I've heard some funny stories. I don't want to put anybody on blast, but I've heard some, uh, I've heard some good stories of that. Because, I mean... It's first, and most people go hunting first thing in the morning. Sure. And I went hunting with my dad one time, and his guts were rumble. I could hear him. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. Well, here's a funny story about that. So we're in Wyoming this past uh, October. Mm-hmm. We're uh, elk hunting. It's cold. I mean, it is freaking cold. October in Wyoming. October in Wyoming. Yeah. So we... When we rode into camp, we rode 30 miles by horseback into camp. It's the uh, most remote hunting camp in the United States. Wow. So the nearest house, the nearest civilization is 30-something miles away from this hunting camp. You're out there in the Yellowstone, son. It's, it borders it. Really? It borders it. So we were hunting on the Yellowstone border. And so uh, it, uh, Theodore Roosevelt... It's called the Thoroughfare River area. Theodore Roosevelt used to love frequenting that area to hunt. My favorite president. Mm-hmm. He's cool. So we're up there. We've got a guy. I got this guide. Her name is Kendra. Sweet as she can be. Notice I said she. Yeah. Typically your guides are male. Mm-hmm. You know. So, but this girl here was rough as nails. I mean, she could do anything you could do and better. Nice. And handles a horse better than anybody I've ever seen. So we're up there, we're setting up, and we're me and my buddy Austin, we're setting up, and uh, of course my bubble gut started going. I'm like, hey, I'm going up here, go to the restroom, I'll be back in a bit. All right. So I grab my backpack and I go up there. I find the perfect logs, you know, they crisscross, you know, you got a perfect seat, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting there, take care of my business. Reach in my bag to grab my dude wipes out, and they're frozen solid. <laughs> oh, no, so I'm like, what the hell am frozen I going to do? Frozen together? Yeah, they're just oh, frozen man. like an ice pack. That's the worst. And so I'm like, what am I going to do? I take my pocket knife out, peel a couple of them loose, yeah. put them under my arm, and heat them up yeah, a little you bit. Yeah, the button. <laughs> before I could use my dude wipes. Dang, man. It was awful. But it worked. God, how cold does it got to be for the daggum wet wipes to freeze? I don't know. But it, it was it was below zero up there. 
Dang, man. So, we've gone from Mexico to Texas, obviously, uh, Tennessee, South, South Carolina. Carolina, Wyoming. Mm-hmm. And South Carolina. Let's jump Wyoming. over. Where'd you? Didn't you go uh, hog hunting in Arkansas? No, nope, I went to California. California. Mm-hmm. Dang it. Yep. I thought that was closer because I was wanting to go. Nope. I went. Uh, actually, I've been I've been hog hunting in Otagaville, Alabama. Really? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what you told me about. Yeah, I went down there. Where you, basically they, it's like a certain amount of acreage, and they just put you in something, and you just. Or you can pay a certain amount to get in a certain area. That was in Texas. Oh, was that in Texas? That was in Texas. Because you said you set up right outside the swampland. Yeah, yeah. And you had to pay a honey hole. But you just hung out outside the honey hole, and then they chase them outside the honey hole. Exactly. So that was in Gonzales, Texas, this place called Independence Ranch. So I guarantee you, if you have ever been on America's Most Wanted, that's where you need to go to, to live. (laughs) Because <laughs> these guys here were from America's Most Wanted, guaranteed. That's awesome. So we're down there, and you pay like 100 150 bucks a day extra to hunt the honey hole because it's like a low area, it's, mm. it's wet, a bunch of hogs go in there. Or you can hunt the regular area, and there's a north side and a south side. And they basically want you to set up on a like a line, and you just walk the north side and then you cross the little road, and you walk the south side. Whatever pops up, you shoot. So we're down there, and there's like eight of us in a group that all know each other. Yeah. And so we're walking, and uh, my buddy, he's like, hey, instead of us walking back up the north side to try to shoot anything, why don't we sit right here on the honey hole? Yeah. And when those guys that paid the extra money start shooting, those hogs are going to run out. <laughs> I love And that. we'll blast them. I love the thought. I'm like, damn good idea. So we sit there, and there's hogs coming out with, you know, legs hanging where these guys shoot at them. Shooting them up. And they come out. We're just dropping them. And you call, you you text uh, an area. They have these little markers Mm -hmm. on a a fence. And this is a high fence, you know. This is just for fun. We go down there for fun. This isn't really hunting. Yeah. So uh, you text this guy your marker number and say, Hey, we got two hogs down or whatever. So he comes pulling up, picks up our two hogs. He leaves. He didn't even get away. We dropped three more. Oh my God. So he turns around, he comes back. He said, Hey, call me whenever you get a stack of them. Yeah. So we're like, all right. So, uh, we had paid for, uh, I think it was, a uh, 2000 pounds oh. of hogs. Right. Oh my. So what this guy does is these people down there in Texas because they're they're invasive, right? So they they trap yeah. them, and then he gets them from them, and then he sells hunts mm-hmm. for us, and it's inside of like a six hundred acre ranch. Yeah, and then we just go down there and shoot them. Yeah, I mean, and, I think everybody universally agrees that like wild hogs are god damn man, they're a nuisance. They're, yeah, they tear up everything, and they're never gonna go extinct yeah in the areas that they're bad in i mean i'm pretty sure people shoot them out of helicopters oh they do yeah yeah yeah. and they're like a a varmint at this point exactly but anyway mosquitoes in louisiana yeah man i mean i i'm dude i'm i've been wanting to do that so bad how much is it to it's cheap is it yeah i mean you go down there you could spend probably a thousand dollars okay well for four days and they feed you do they 
you bring ho- uh, pork back? Yep. Well, I mean, how much is a whole pig if you go and buy it from a? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and you get the experience of smoking them with your boys. Exactly. <laughs> Come on, don't talk me into it. It's so much fun. <laughs> now, this me and you guy, are going to go do that. Let's do it, dude. I got an I'm AR ready. now. Oh, is that what you used? No, I take my six five out there. Do you? It's a little more fun. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, well, I take that and my forty five seventy lever action. Okay. I love shooting them with that cowboy yeah. gun. Yeah. That's fun. Is that the? Is that that's that's the guns you see on like Yellowstone? They always got on the horses. Those mm-hmm. are sick. I'm gonna get one of those. It's a Henry 4570 is what I got. My wife don't know, but I'm getting one. Yeah, they're fun to shoot. Yeah, made in America too. Yeah, I'm gonna get one. But uh, so we're down there, and uh, this one time we're sh- shooting these hogs, and my buddy's got this. There's a company called Half Face Blades. He's a former Navy SEAL, and he makes these cool knives, tomahawks. Mm-hmm. And so my buddy had bought a tomahawk from him. So he's got it on his side, and we shoot this hog, and the hog is, is uh, <laughs> it's still alive. Yeah. And he just comes roaming up with his tomahawk. Watcha! It catches it right in the head. Just, mm-hmm. just sinks his tomahawk in there. Nice. The guy pulls up to get it. Still got the tomahawk in it, and he just looks over. And I'm telling you, this guy, he escaped from America's most wanted. He looks over and he's like, "You guys are sick." Uh, <laughs> Just like that, man. I don't know. Uh, it's a hog. So, I used to have a good friend that lived uh, down here off of Jefferson Pike, and every year he would raise two hogs. Mm-hmm. And his name was Big Adam, huge guy. He played offensive line at Northwestern or uh, Western Kentucky. Sorry, Adam. And. Um, so every year he would raise two hogs and he would text everybody like a week before, hey, slaughtering the hogs this Friday afternoon if everybody wants to come over. Sure. And dude, people would go over there and hang out and uh, dude, he'd string them up on a tractor and zoop with a good sharp knife yep. across the throat and Done. let them drain out and then everybody would sit there and hang out and help them, you know. Cut them up into pork chops and yeah. bacon and whatever. That used to be the way, man, like, whenever I was a kid. It seemed I, like a big deal to me. No. When I was six years old, I still remember it to the day. My great uncle and aunt, they would raise hogs. Mm-hmm. And we would butcher them every year for the family. And so he would raise, you know, five or six hogs. Everybody would contribute a little money to him. And we'd kill hogs, and we would, you know, put them in the in the uh, bath and scrape all the hair off and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I remember I was six years old one year, and I asked my my grandpa, I was like, "Hey, Papa, can I can I shoot the hog?" He's like, "Sure." Yeah. So he we, we walk in, hands me a thirty eight snub nose. He said, "Put it on the back of his head and pull the trigger." Oh man. So I did. Yeah. And then we cut the throat. We'd hang them up. We'd cut the tenderloin out. My great aunt would take it inside the house, batter it up, fry it. Put it on biscuits, bring it back out to us. That's how fresh we would eat that that's, meat. That's uh, fresh pork. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, I mean, that's just the way of life. I yeah. mean, I know some people don't understand that and won't agree with it. And Man, I don't really care. No. To be honest. Uh, I mean, if you if you get upset about that, I'm like, then don't buy any pork from the grocery store. Or find out how those things are processed. Yeah, find out that. See the see the life how they're killed. Exactly. See the life they live, mm-hmm. and see how they're killed, and see if you're mm-hmm. cool with that. Because Adam, he's ta- I mean, he would always tell me, "Man, I love these hogs. They're my buddies. You know, we give them all our dinner scraps, and 
He said, I love them things, but, you know, when it's uh, – when it when it comes time to go, it's time to go. Yeah. So that's what they're for. That livestock mm-hmm. is a term for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. So. I believe in PETA. <laughs> yeah. People eating tasty animals. Yeah. No, I mean, did they not think that though? <laughs> I guess they not. suck. Does anybody like PETA? I don't think so. Don't. Alyssa Milano. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. So that you said that was in Texas. That was in Texas. Okay, and there's one in Alabama. You talked. You said yeah, Toggleville, Alabama. It's free range. Uh, there's a okay. guy down there, and I, I'll find his number for you. But uh, you go down there, and it was pretty cool. He's got a full on setup. You pay him X amount of dollars. You can rent his rifles if you want. He has night vision. He has thermal scopes and stuff. So if you want to oh, pay a wow. hundred bucks more, yeah, he'll let you use his his thermal scopes. Hmm on his rifles and so uh we went me and my nephew went down there and one of his friends and we're gonna shoot these hogs and those boys they're just not hunters really uh, not the same type of hunter i am i like to hunt if i'm gonna pay money i want to hunt i don't want to sleep yeah. i don't want to you know eat yeah. and all that kind of stuff you know i can do all that later mm-hmm. so we're down there and uh has a double wide trailer we're staying in you know we bring our own food in and everything so i get up in the mornings and you hunt in the evenings down there, especially if you have thermal scope. You know, you can hunt at night, all mm. night long. And so they're, we're out hunting the first night, and, and then we go by this guy's house, and I'm like, hey, does that Winnebago run? He's like, yeah. He's like, why? <laughs> I said, can you get it up here in this field on this fence line right here? He's like, oh, you guys want to take naps at night, you know, while you're hunting? I'm like, no, I'm going to roll out the yoga mat on, on top, top of, of it, it and set up sniper position. Yeah, boy. He's like, all right, we can do that. Yeah. So get up the next day. He's got the camper set right where I asked him to set it. We get up there, lay out some sleeping bags, you know, put the bipods out. Yeah. Looking through, you know, thermals. Yeah. Smoking some hogs. Man, that's – I'm glad you said that because, like, when I go on, like, a trip with my boys or something, like, I went to Vegas with my two best friends a couple of years ago, or just any, like, guy's trip, like, there's not that much sleep involved because you're having mm. so much fun. Yeah. And it's like, dude, I can – I'm not getting eight hours a night on this trip. No. And I don't want to. No. Like, no. I'll sleep a couple hours. Yeah. And – but the thing about that is when you're having so much fun, you don't really – you're not tired. No. Like, you'll, you'll be tired when you get back home. <laughs> the plane ride home is it the worst. You. Oh, it'll hit you. It, it's hit me hard a couple of times. We won't <laughs> exactly. get into that. But um, that's – that's and that's a – you wonder, like, when you're truly, like, doing something you're passionate about or, like, when you're just having so much fun, it's like you don't get tired. Mm-hmm. And that's – man, I love those moments in time when you're, like, living in that. So, yeah. And California is totally different hog hunting. Really? So out there, you get in a Jeep, you ride around, and you glass. Were they running dogs? Mm-mm. No dogs? No dogs. And uh, you, you, you glass constantly. Yeah. I mean, they'll pull up on a high spot, and you'll glass for a couple hours Yeah. from that same spot. You'll yeah. spot some hogs, and you'll say, okay, can we drive to them, or do we need to hike to them? Yeah. And then you either take off hiking, or yeah. you drive as close as you can, hoping that they're still there. Yeah. And... So it's a little different out there. Yeah. And they got big hogs in California because they have all the grapes and they're constantly eating grapes and barley. Really? They have a lot of barley fields out there. And so nice. they have some good hogs out there. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. 
Well, man, uh, right quick, I was I was gonna actually take a pee break. All right, we're rolling again. Sorry, folks, we had to drain the main vein, as we like to say. <laughs> <laughs> that gun. Sorry, it's hot in here, man. It's uh, we got a sports gloss going. Yeah, that's caught, the reason why they make cold beer, though. Tennessee got caught in a daggum sunstorm today. So. For sure, yeah. for sure. But anyways, man, I know um, you got some fur on the drywall, as I like to say, or on the <laughs> cedar wall out in your uh, garage, which is pretty cool. Um, so you got that elk in there mm-hmm. and uh, the, the bear rug. Mm-hmm. Is always um, Sonny liked the bear rug. Oh, dude, I love that picture. I do too. It's so cool. So you obviously killed a a black bear Mm -hmm. and uh, an elk, but I wanted to, because I'm sure have you killed one elk? One elk. One elk. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that was kind of a special, a special trip and hunting story. So I kind of wanted to see what, what you had to say about that. But yeah, so we go up to uh, Casper, Wyoming. And we're hunting, and uh, there's a guy up there that owns uh, 100,000 contiguous acres. Oh, my God. So this one guy has the lease on that whole property. Oh, he leases it. To hunt elk. Well, one guy owns it, and then this guy leases it from this guy to hunt. Wow. They run sheep on it. So back in the day, and I love history. Yeah. And so back in the day, this guy, he ran sheep on this property all the time. And uh, cheap prices were really low, and wool was cheap. And But it was World War II, I think it was. And uh, he was providing wool for the troops, for their clothes. It was either World War I or World War II. And uh, he was providing wool for the, for the troops. So his partners came to him and said, hey, you know, we need to swap over to cattle. You know, these sheep, are, we're not making any money with those. We can make a lot more money with cattle. He said, yeah. as long as we have guys over and uh, fighting for us, for our freedoms, we're keeping sheep. So he kept really? sheep on the property. So anyway, this property had been in his family for years. And uh, the guy told me, he said, one of the first houses that were built was built on this property was actually bought on Sears and Roebuck, was brought in by a train on a flat car, fully assembled. And then they had to put it on, like, horse and buggy yeah, and get it up. I don't know how the hell they did it. But anyway, they got it up there by horse and buggy to the location where it was at. And it was still standing. It wasn't in great shape or anything. Yeah. But it was still standing, which is impressive to me for a modular home. Back then, you could buy houses out of catalogs. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you they're built better than what they do now. Sure, sure. So we're hunting this property. Uh, me and my buddy John, good guy. So uh, we get up in the mornings, and you get on horses, and you take off from camp. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, know, you have breakfast, and you take off from camp. And we ride like 15 miles first day on, on horseback. We'd get off. You know, it wasn't all day long riding 15 miles we'd get off we'd hike a while we'd spot and glass and then we'd get back on the horses it was a lot of elevation changes a lot of elevation we're hunting it like i think that was around uh 9500 feet elevation i believe so uh midday we happened upon some elk that were way up on this ridge and so me and john hadn't determined who was going to shoot first 
both of us have our guns out. Both of us are setting up. Mm-hmm. And there's only one good bull in this whole group. Yeah. And so I look over at John. I said, hey, who's shooting? He's like, I don't know. We hadn't figured that out yet. He's like, Rochambeau? Rock, paper, scissors? And I said, sure. He wins. Oh. So 500 yards. Uh, John has a 30-06. Yeah. He's shooting, I believe it is. And he shoots. And I see the dirt kick up at <laughs> this elk's feet. Oh, no. I'm like, John, you're three feet low, bro. How, yeah. What's going on? He's like, oh, I, I didn't adjust for the, you know, because the, the range up is yeah. a little higher than, than flat range. Mm-hmm. So he jacks another one in. Luckily, the elk only moved like maybe 12 feet, 15 feet. Yeah. Jacks another one in. He nails it. Oh. So we go up. And I'm all ha- I'm hugging him. I'm like, yeah, you got one, buddy. And yeah. So uh, we go up. We go ahead and skin it out, quarter it, and and uh, you got to skin it and quarter it, get the back straps, everything out, and you got these pack mules with you. And so you stuff them full this pack mule. Mm-hmm. So our pack mule is full. So it's still cool outside. That's so good. cool enough to you know the meat's not gonna go bad or anything. Yeah. So we're riding around some more, looking for another elk for me to blast. And uh, we, I mean, it's it's late in the evening. We're headed back to camp. It's it's almost dark, mm-hmm. and I I just glance over. We'd done resolve that we we're going to go back out the next morning because yeah. we, you know, we didn't see anything. Mm-hmm. So uh, we go around this corner, and the guide's in front of me, and I look up and I saw two cow elk kind of bolt down from the top of a hill, and yeah. I said, hey. I said, man, there's two cow elk up there. And I said, they come down from the hill down in this draw. And I said, I can't see over this hill next to our trail. Mm. I said, he looks at me. He's like, you want me to go check it out? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> go, let's go check it out. Yeah. So he takes his horse up this hill and he gets to the top. And all of a sudden I just see him dive off. Oh, wow. And he looks at me and he goes, come on, come on, get oh, your wow. gun. So I belly crawl up there. And sure enough, there's probably 15 elk, 20 elk in this one little valley that we couldn't see because of the where the trailhead was. Yeah. Or the trail was. So uh, I get up there, and I'm looking, and I see this one way off that had these big whale tails in the back, and it's 800 yards. Oh, man. And I'm shooting a 300 wind mag. So I'm setting up on him, and I'm like, that's the one I'm going to shoot. Mm-hmm. And he's like, are you good with that? And I was like, yeah, 800 yards shooting a a Volkswagen? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I should be able to hit that. You know, and all the time I'm thinking, I'm You're not so going to. big, man. I'm thinking I'm, I'm probably going to miss, but, you yeah. know, at least I got a good story. Yeah. So I shoot with both eyes open. And so I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm getting set up on him, waiting for him to get straight broadside for me. And I see out of my left eye a flash, and I turn mm-hmm. and look, and there's two big bull elk coming down there, 390 yards, 400 yards from me. So I'm like, hey, check those out while I stay on this one. So he looks at him, he's like, dude, this one in the front is probably as big as the one you're about to blast at 800. Oh, wow. He said, and this is probably more guaranteed than the 800. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, probably so. Yeah. So just my scope, I turn back and I look at him, and dude, I'm telling you, there was a cow elk that would. Every step he would take, she would take. And so she was blocking him where, mm. I, where I didn't have a shot. And so he kept telling me, wait till she clears. Or wait till he clears. Wait till he clears. Yeah. I'm like, all right, all right, all right, I got you. Wait till he clears. I'm like, okay, buddy. 
So finally she cleared. Well, another one walks behind him. Well, I'm thinking about a pass-through. You know, if it shoots through the bull elk, Mm -hmm. hits the cow elk, I'm in trouble. Yeah. Because you're not allowed to shoot a a cow elk. We didn't have a tag for that. So uh, finally her butt passes his nose. I pull the trigger. No way. And he looks at me. He's like, she just barely cleared. I said, I didn't hit her. I said, you know, the bull elk's down. I didn't hit her. 390 yards. Mm. Hit him straight perfect. Blew his heart up. He died right there. That's awesome, So it's almost dark. Almost dark. Yeah. Our pack mule's full of John's elk. Oh, wow. So the guide says, we go up, we take pictures and stuff, and he's like, all right, um, we got two options. And we're still three miles from camp. Yeah. By horseback. He's like, we got we got two options really. He said, We can either go back to camp, unload, and then ride back. What's the threat of bears or well it's more of coyotes and uh okay. mountain lions up there. Okay. And wolf too. It was uh-huh. in that area. Oof. So he said, So we can either do that or we can I said, what time would we be back? He said, probably about 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. We're going to, by the time we get to camp, mm-hmm. unload. Come back. Come back. It's going to be probably 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. I said, okay. I said, so uh, what's option two? He said, it's, we come back in the morning. You know, we get up at 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning, ride back up here. We're here by 6, 630. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. I said, well, there's an option three. And he said, what's that? I said, you guys going back to camp. I'm going to sleep here. I'm sleeping here. He's like, we can't do that. Really? Yep. He said, our our insurance won't allow it. Oh. He says, it's too big of a liability. I'm like, all right, so you guys stay here with me too? <laughs> <laughs> I said, man, I'll build a fire. He said, no, we can't do that. <laughs> and really? So I was like, all right. Dang. So I said, okay, well, let's go going back to camp, get a good night's sleep, You know, get some dinner. We'll come back in the morning. I said, what do you think my chances are that it's going to be here? He yeah. said, well, we gutted it. We put the guts probably 300 yards. We drugged the carcass probably really? 300 yards away from the guts. Oh, wow. So maybe they would go to the guts over yeah. the carcass. Put some cedar and stuff over top of the carcass and everything, you know, try to cover it up. And uh, next morning, I'm up at like 3.30. Oh, you're chomping at the bit. Oh, yeah. I get up. I walk over to the, the little camp kitchen. I get me a cup of coffee. And I don't drink coffee much either, but mm. it's just cold. I want a cup of coffee. So I got me a cup of coffee, and I looked out, and he's like, hey, I already got the horses saddled. And I'm like, you're a good man. Heck he yeah. said, I knew you'd be up. Yeah. And I was like, yes, sir. So we get up. We ride up there. Elk's in good shape. Sweet. We pick it up. Gut pile gone? Gut pile was still there, really? actually. Nothing had it, found it. There must not have been nothing it's around. too cold. Really? Yep. He said it, it just chilled down enough during the night that the scent wouldn't permeate in the air. Wow. Yeah. Perfect. So uh, then my buddy, who hadn't killed one yet, Ron, he, he was like, I said, man, you need to go back up there to that same valley. Yeah. So he shoots one an hour and a half after we cleared out. No way. 300 yards from where I shot mine. Dang, Death Valley. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Holla. So I was, I was pumped. So everybody in the gang got one. Everyone. Me. Man, that's perfect. It was me, Rusty, John, Ron. That was it. It was just us, us four. Wow. Yep, all four of us got one. Dude, that's all time. Mm-hmm. It's, 
it's the best when like everybody is successful because yeah. there's not the one person going like oh man maybe next time like it's like no nah, we all freaking went hard so our last elk hunt the one i was telling you about where my dude wipes froze yeah so there were eight people in camp mm-hmm. and nobody killed an elk really and it wasn't f- for lack of effort it wasn't for it we were hunting the migration yeah so the migration happens when it snows okay that's what triggers it and then the elk start moving down south okay so they come through that thoroughfare river area whenever it snows and okay. they're headed down south to to warmer ground to eat yeah so we didn't get any snow for the first four or five days the last day it was a saturday noon season is over yeah so it snowed it started snowing saturday at like two o'clock in the afternoon i wonder how many miles they travel those elk yeah i don't know i mean they're all over the yellowstone at one point we were me and this kendra and austin we were set up on this ridge and she says hey we're real close to the yellowstone i said okay she said you see that tree down there in the bottom and i said yeah she said if you shoot an elk and it stays to the right of that tree, we can go get it. If you shoot an elk and it runs to the left of that tree, we have to leave it. No way. That's how close we were to the Yellowstone. Wow. And you probably don't want to mess around with that border. No. Yeah. No, those guys are. Yeah, they will get you. Yeah, they'll get you. Dude, that's awesome. And that's a, that's a beautiful elk you got hanging in there. That was the one that I killed uh, when I was going to shoot the 800 yarder. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I'm just talking but, elk hunting in general. That's that's sick. You got one. So, how many times have you been elk hunting? Twice. 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 Mm-hmm. Are you planning on going again? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I buy points every year in Wyoming. Always. Okay. So, <laughs> I always ask people if like they go somewhere, they've done this. Like, would you do it again? I'm pretty sure that you would say I'll do it again on all these. <laughs> every one of them. Yeah. Uh, there's. I can't think. I might not go back to Independence Ranch again to shoot those hogs unless me and you go just for fun. Yeah. Fill yeah. the freezer. That's a boys' weekend right exactly. there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But, um, man, I can't remember when this was. It wasn't too long ago, a couple of years ago. But I got a, I get a picture or I get a text message from Gary coming across my phone. And there's a dead bear and there's Gary and – He's holding something that says something of the sort of mess around and find out. <laughs> and uh, so where were you, where'd you go to kill that sucker? So that, that hunt was uh, north of La Crete, Alberta, Canada. So we were hunting up there. Okay, so we've gone all the way to Mexico to Canada at this mm-hmm. point. Good deal. That's what I wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we... We uh, we went hunting up there. There's a good guy named Kyler Nelson. Um, he's good dude. Mm-hmm. He's a Canadian guy outfitter up there. And there's a, it's called a reclamation camp. And so in Canada, if you go punching for oil into the ground, mm-hmm. you set up these camps, right? And then after you're done pumping oil from that area, yeah. the Canadian government requires you to come in and reclaim the land exactly like it was before you. Oh, came okay. in there to, right. to do your oil. Yeah. So they have these huge camps that last for like three, three, four years where they're planting trees, they're demolishing bridges, is bridges and, and everything. So what 
Kyler did was lease this reclamation camp in the off season when they weren't there. Yeah. To go hunt bear. Okay. Nobody had hunted this area in like twenty years. Oh, that's what you want. So we come in by a plane, and there's a grass runway, and you drop down. All of a sudden, it's a mile long grass runway. Uh-huh. You drop down out of the pine trees and land. Yeah. Kind of scary for your first time. So we land. We, we hike to camp, and uh, and I I can't sleep during the day real well. Yeah. So the first morning, you know, I get up at like six six thirty, and I get up and I go outside, and I'm running up and or not really running. I'm walking up and down the runway. I'm doing you know just mm-hmm. exercising a little bit and stuff. Yeah. I come back to camp, and there's this big burn barrel out there, and this burn barrel is huge. It's probably fifteen feet across and fifteen foot tall. And I hear a noise. And I'm like, what the hell's that? And I throw a stick up there, and all of a sudden this bear looks up at me out of the burn barrel. Oh, no right way. at camp. Oh, <laughs> well. It was a blonde, real pretty blonde uh-huh. bear. It jumps out, and it's just looking at me. And I've got like a 16-foot trailer in between us, like a little utility trailer. That's nice. I got video and pictures of this thing on my phone. And it's just looking at me, and it rears up on its back legs, and it's staring at me. And I'm like, I'm going to go back inside and get my rifle. (laughs) So I go back in, and by this time, it takes off. My buddy Austin, he's from Alabama, he was up. And he's like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm just about to go for a walk. You want to go with me? He's like, sure. Well, Kyler comes walking through, going to the restroom, and he's like, what's going on? I said, we're going to go for a hike. I said, can we take a rifle with us? And he's like, sure. And I said, can we shoot something if we see it? And he kind of laughs. He's like, sure. Yeah. like, all right. So Austin grabbed his rifle. Here Austin is, Garth Brooks World Tour hoodie. Let's go. Nike shorts, tennis shoes, Auburn ball cap. Yeah. I've got on a pair of shorts, T-shirt, tennis shoes. Got my binos on me, though. Yeah. And Austin's got his rifle. So we take <laughs> off walking. We don't even get out of camp. And there's the biggest bear. Of course, I've never seen any bears really in my life alive yeah. yet. Yeah. And Austin sees this bear, or yeah, Austin sees the bear, and he's like, "Dude, what do you think?" I said, "It's huge. Shoot it." Yeah. And he he's he's not real quick. You know, from Alabama, a little slow. Yeah. So he <laughs> so he uh, he doesn't have the opportunity to shoot it. I said, "Hey, man, this morning I walked, and there's a pond down there. I said maybe he's gonna get a drink of water or something." Yeah. Let's hike hike down there. So we hike down there. Sure enough, he's on the other side of the lake. Austin still doesn't have the opportunity to shoot it. Oh, wow. Bear goes in the woods. I said, well, let's run parallel on this logging road to the bear. we never seen the bear. So we walk back to the lake, and we get back to the lake. We're standing there just talking, catching our breath and stuff. And I look over to say something to him, and there's that bear walking down the logging road. I love it. So I look at Austin. I said, Austin. I said, there's that bear. And he's like, where? I said, right there. It's like a 1,000 yards from us. Yeah. And he says, well, what are we going to do? And I looked down. He had on his Nikes. And I said, well, you got your running shoes on, and so do I. Let's go. (laughs) So we take off jogging. And luckily, the wind's blowing right in our face. And Austin's the funniest guy you'll ever meet. And he looks – he's real dry, but he's funny. Yeah. Sometimes those are the best. Yeah. (laughs) He looks at me. He's like, GW. And I said, yeah. He said, what if the bear's running too? And I said, well, we're never catching this thing. <laughs> so 
<laughs> we stay steady. The bear stops and he eats some blueberries off the side of the road. Oh, you know, nice. We make a little ground on him. Yeah. So the bear is still walking, never hears us, never sees us, never smells us because the wind's perfect. And uh, a few minutes later, the bear stops and relieves himself on the side. We get like 200 yards from it. Oh, nice. And so we're creeping up. We get 110 yards. I said, Austin, this is as close as we're getting, bro. I said, shoot the thing. So he lays down. He said, range it for me. I said, 110. So he lays down, pops his bipod out. He's laying in the road. And the bear starts going off into the woods. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to stop him. I'm going to stop him. I went, hey. And just yelled at the bear. And the bear turns around on its hind legs and looks at us. Oh, no. He shoots. Hits it right in the throat. Yeah. Dumps it. There you go, Austin. So here's the bad part of it. Neither one of us had never been bear hunting before. And he looks at me, picks up his rifle, and he's like, well, what now? I was like, hell, I don't know. So, (laughs) So we go creeping up there to it. I said, well, let's do it it's just like a, a deer, you know. I said, we'll make sure it's dead. So we get like 30 yards. We're chunking rocks at this bear. Oh, yeah, bro. Because this thing was huge. Oh, yeah. So we're chunking rocks at it. The bear never moves. I said, well, go check him with your rifle, you know, poke him in the eye like we do a deer. Mm-hmm. If his eye blinks, he's still alive. We'll put another one in him. Yeah. So Austin goes walking up there, and I knew he hadn't re-racked yet. Yeah. He gets right up to the bear, and I pinch his ass. It, I said, like that. <laughs> Austin jumps like a mile in the air. Oh, you would have got me. I'm, al- I'm already, I'm jumpy. So, yeah. So, so, anyway, I said, hey, you got one in the chamber? He's like, oh, no, oh, no. And he hurries up, re-racks one. Bear never moves. So, then we walk back to camp. It's like four miles, five miles back to camp by now. We get back to camp. Everybody's up eating breakfast. It's probably 10, 11 o'clock by now. Mm-hmm. So we get back to camp, and uh, we walk in, and he said, hey, did y'all see anything? I'm like, yeah. And Austin said, I got one. Nice. So they said, how big is it? Uh, And they're looking at me. I'm like, dude, I don't know. I said, this thing was huge. I said, but to give you a perspective, I said, we tried to drag it, and we couldn't. I said, but I laid down on the ground, and Austin could drag me a little ways. I said, so it weighs more than 225 pounds. There you go. Which is what I weighed then. Yeah. And he's like, all right, well, we're finished breakfast, and we'll go check it out. Yeah. And the guy didn't believe us. So we hook a trailer up behind the – he's got these six-by-six six four-wheelers. Yeah. Or six-by-six. Six six. It looks like a four-wheeler, but it's six-by-six. Six. Oh, wow. So uh, we take off back there, and uh, we get back there to it, and the guy jumps out, and he looks at it, and he's like, holy crap, this oh. thing's huge. Nice. So – we all pick it up, you know, and get it on the trailer, and we take it back. It wound up being the biggest bear killed at camp, and we killed 11 bears that hunt. Really? It was huge. I told the guide, I was like, hey, uh, I'll, uh, I'll accept my tips in cash if you uh, don't mind for yeah. that hunt. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, it was the biggest bear killed in camp. Austin got it, and I was so proud for him, man. That's awesome. It made me so happy that Austin got it. That's man. So everybody, everybody walked away with a bear. Yeah, uh, two. I killed two that year. Wow. And man, Austin killed two. How's the? So I've heard stories of like in certain areas where bears eat like more, let's say fish or blueberries or something like that. They say the meat can sometimes almost mimic what they're eating. Did you notice any of that? I didn't. So really? so when we were there, they were telling us that they didn't eat bear. 
So when I shot my bear. I've heard it's delicious. It is. Yeah. So when I shot my bear, I was skinning it just like I was going to process it, right? So he's like, hey, we don't, we don't eat bear. And I'm like, what do you mean? Hmm. He's like, we don't eat it. And I was like, well, we're going to eat some of this one. So I cut the back straps out of it. Yeah, I'd have been like, we're eating some of this, yeah. this weekend or whatever. What they do is they take the carcass and they put it out and they hunt wolves over top of it. Oh, uh, okay. And so. Take uh, the hides. Mm-hmm. Take yeah. the hide and the head and yeah. the claws and everything stays intact. I've heard good things about bear meat. It's good. So we took the, uh, it was a big back strap and we cut it in loaves. Hmm. My buddy's a good cook. He puts it in a crock pot. Put mm. some like cream of mushroom soup in there, and some onions and sure. carrots and potatoes and garlic and salt and pepper. You got to be careful with trichnosis, which is a parasite. <clears throat> so you got to cook it well done. You can't eat it like deer. I've heard about that. And yeah. so we put it in a crock pot, let it cook all night long because you hunt from mm. like four o'clock in the afternoon till midnight because mm. it's still light outside. Yeah. And then you come in, you eat dinner, have drinks go to bed whenever you want to whatever and you don't have to get up till noon next day if you don't want to yeah so uh we come in at midnight that night man and all of us americans are going up there and we're dishing out you know this bear roast you know and Heck yeah so the canadians are all standing back looking at us and like hey you guys gonna eat and he's like yeah we're gonna wait and see what y'all think so <laughs> So we started eating it, and they're like, all right, we're going to eat some. So they ate it. And Dude, I'd have been in there happy. eating that sucker like chicken and dumplings. Oh, Are you kidding me? It was delicious. After a few freaking cervezas, I would have been in yeah. there tearing that crop. There, I would have been like worried that there wouldn't have been enough. Yeah. No, it was delicious, man. That's awesome. Dude. Yeah. So we got to eat some bear and then bring the hides back. And I flew my hide back. I just put it in my, my yeah. luggage. Dude, and it's awesome at the house. It looks good in your office. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. We'll have to uh, we'll have to come back over soon and get Sunny to lay back down on top of it or yeah, something. Sunny two point oh. Yeah. yeah, dude, that's awesome, man. That's a. Uh, so, do you think I'm gonna try? I'm gonna walk into this next question a little bit, but so it seems like the bear hunt and the elk hunt were pretty big, but overall, at all this, what is your most your favoriteest animal to hunt? What, what what is it? Probably whitetail. I love hunting whitetail. Yeah, that's awesome. But I like harvesting elk. Does yep. that make sense? Yeah. And I think it's it's the greed part of it because I love the taste of elk, and I love the taste of whitetail as well. But elk supersedes the flavor to me. Yeah. Over whitetail. Yeah. You think some of that is just like, I mean, where we live, mm-hmm. you'll see a whitetail on the side of the road and. July, I'm like, ooh. Yeah. You get pumped. Wait till November. Son. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Keep I th- growing. So I think I think if we probably lived in an area with elk and that's what we hunted mostly, we'd be like, oh, you know. Yeah. So that's good, though. You need to be passionate about what you're, you know, what you got in front of you. Yeah. That's yeah. cool, man. One of the first hunts that I went on way off was uh, up in Nunavut, Canada. Um. I've been to Texas. I've been to California. I'd been to Wyoming on a bear hunt where I didn't harvest anything. But then we, we hooked a, booked a hunt up in Canada on Nunavut. It was caribou. It was, uh, we had a caribou tag, a wolf tag, and a wolverine tag. All Ooh. three. Wolverine tag. Mm-hmm. I didn't know they tagged them. Mm-hmm. Yep, you got to have a tag for them. That's interesting. 
So we go up there and we fly into uh, Yellowknife. I think that's in the Northwest Territories. Yeah, Yellowknife. And then you catch a little bitty small plane and you fly into this area called uh, the Lupin Diamond Mines or Gold Mine. And it's on Lake Contoito. Up in it's like forty five minutes from the Arctic Circle. Oh wow! Then you get on a boat, which these boats are fourteen foot little aluminum boats, mm. you know, with little tiller motors in the back. And you go across Lake Contoito with these white, big white caps, and it's freezing cold. I mean, it's like below zero. And so you, it's forty five minute boat ride to camp. You get it, you get off the boat, and you're sleeping in tents. No heaters or anything. I, mm. I think we had a little buddy heater in there that we could run for a little while. Yeah. But, of course, they run out pretty quick. Yeah. And uh, so you just curl up in your sleeping bag. And you, and I snore, which is bad. Yeah. And yeah, whenever you got a bunch of guys in there and you're the only snore, just, it's bad. Yeah. Well, you got to expect that with men. I think real men snore. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> my father always says it's – Snoring is men letting their frustrations out at night. Just <laughs> I must be full of frustration <laughs> then. Hey, you're a nice guy. You got to be pissed off at some time. Exactly. <laughs> so we get there, and one of the guys that was hunting with us, Austin was hunting with us again, and then another buddy of ours that used to hunt with us. Um, anyway, he was hunting with us. Well, he forgot his bolt. Because whenever you fly, a lot of the airlines request that you take your bolt out of your rifle and put it in another case. Makes sense. For safety reasons. Mm -hmm. So he had forgot his bolt back at the hotel, which was in Yellowknife, which was a three-hour little bitty plane ride back. Mm. So we get there, and uh, so I'm like, well, Wayne, you're going to be hunting with me, so I want you to go shoot my rifle because mine's a little different than yours. Mine's 300 Win Mag. Yours is... I forgot what he was shooting, 26 Nosler or something. Yeah. I said, punch is a little bit different. I don't have a break on mine, and punch is a little different. Yeah. So we go out. We said, have a target at 100 yards. I get down, and I shoot. I'm like, okay, it's on. So here you go, Wayne. You shoot. So he gets – Wayne is 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, oh, wow. He's a big, tall guy. Wayne gets down on this thing, and I, th- I didn't know it. He had his eye like this close to the scope. Like an inch away from the scope. I know what that means. And so I went to touch his shoulder, and then all of a sudden I seen the scope was further away from his eye. Yeah. So I thought, oh, he's got it fixed. Well, Wayne didn't uh, He didn't adjust with his shoulder. Yeah. All he did was push the gun off of his shoulder away from his eye. Okay. So all that recoil had nothing to rest on. Until he pulled, until it hit his shoulder. He scoped himself. Oh, he scoped himself. Bad. Oh man. He had like an inch and a half gash yeah. right above his his eye. That's what it does every time. Mm-hmm. You get that look like you just walked out of the UFC cage, dude. Yeah. So he stands up. He's got my rifle in his hand, and he's just pouring blood out of mm. his face. We're an hour into the hunt, right? Yeah. So he looks at me. He said, "Is it bad?" I said, "Yeah, it's Man. bad." And I take my rifle from him, yeah. hanging on my shoulder. I said, "Grab my shoulders," because he couldn't see. Blood oh. was all in his eyes. He couldn't see. I said, "Grab my shoulders. I'll let's get back to our tent. Mm-hmm. We've got a uh, uh, first aid kit in there. We'll we'll suture you up, or we got a staple gun. We'll staple you." Yeah. So my buddy Ron, he's he's uh, he's in there, and these guys from Utah were were hunting in the same camp with us. We didn't know these guys from Utah. 
So I bring Wayne in. I'm like, Ron, we got a problem. And Ron looks up and he's like, dude, what happened? I say, he scoped himself. And he's got blood running down his elbows. He should have been like, man, look, yeah. we, we had a disagreement. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I just, the right hook came out of nowhere, man. I lost myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Wayne lays down. And he looks at Ron. He's like, Ron, I don't want staples. I don't want staples, man. Yeah, I don't know. And Ron's like, I don't want to put staples in you, but, dude, this is bad. Yeah. I mean, it was laid open. You could lay your pinky in it. Yeah. So we get to messing with it, you know, and, and uh, we have found some super glue, you know, some, mm-hmm. uh, but it was medical grade like super glue. Hopefully you found some whiskey, too. Oh, yeah. We had just a little bit because you only allowed 40 pounds yeah. of, oh, in your okay. backpack. That's all you're allowed is 40 pounds. So mm. whiskey was not on the list of the 40 pounds, you know, because you got bullets, you got, you know, all your clothes, your yeah. boots, your extra boots. Bring the high-proof stuff. Exactly. And so Wayne's laying there, and uh, we get it closed up. He, Ron puts the super glue on it, and the guy from Utah looks over, and he's like, hey, were you in the military or something? And Ron's like, no. He's like, well, where did you learn this? Ron said, YouTube. <laughs> and the guy said, well, I hope you don't have to ever stitch me up. Yeah. <laughs> so we hold it together. We butterfly it together, you know, and, and instead of putting staples in his face. Yeah. And so we told him, to just don't touch it. By the end of the hunt, dude, both of his eyes were just black. Both of them were yeah, solid black. Yeah, I mean, you got to expect that. Yeah. So on that hunt, I can tell you, man, I made mistakes. So mm. we were – we had a uh, – Super cool guy. His name was Peter, and Peter smoked like a freight train. Yeah. And uh, it, this guy could walk off from you like nobody's business, though. Like I couldn't keep up with him. I tried. Yeah. So we come up on these elk finally on second to the last day of hunt, or he, not elk? Would he caribou. smoke while y'all were out stalking us? Yeah. Really? Oh, he's walking one right after the other. But these caribou are so far away, and the wind's blowing the whole Doesn't time. Matter. It's tundra. So you don't have trees, you don't have anything blocking the wind, so it's just blowing right past you. Yeah. So we get on these uh, these caribou, and uh, this is so funny. So I, I dropped my backpack because we'd taken off running. I dropped my backpack, had my rangefinder in it, and we got on these caribou, and I'm like, Peter, what's the yardage? And Peter was deaf. Oh. He couldn't hardly hear anything at all. Oh, no. And so everything, and he also didn't speak good English because you, it's an Inuit Indian up mm, there. So okay. it's a native, and it's a law in, in Nunavut that you can't shoot a caribou without having a native, a native with, with you. you. Mm-hmm. So he was like, you know, he never heard me. So I'm, I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, oh, that's 600 yards. So I'm turning my scope up, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm firing. And I'm trying to look for where it's hitting, you know, because it wasn't hitting caribou, right? So I'm looking, and I'm like, dang, I can't see where it's hitting. So I fired again. I fired like four shots. Finally, Peter looked over at me, and he said, you hit a cow. And I was like, what? He said, you hit a cow in the foot. And I'm like, well, what now? And he's like. In the foot? I I shot this cow elk or cow caribou in the foot. Oh, no. (laughs) And so. I'm like, what now? I said, do I need to try to shoot that cow caribou and yeah. take it out or what? He's like, oh, no, it'll be okay. I'm like, all right. He said, maybe your range is off. 
hey, bud, I was asking you about exactly. five minutes ago, dude. But hey, we're not worried about it. So I turn my dial my scope back a little bit, and I think my seventh or eighth shot, I drilled this caribou. Oh wow! Nailed it. It drops. And we go over to it, and we're looking at it. My buddy Wayne was with us, and he hadn't killed one yet. He was scared of my rifle by now yeah, because of scoping himself. So the guy had a 270 short mag with him. And uh, Wayne's like, what about me? What about me? I said, well, go after them. You know, they're still running, mm-hmm. or they're just walking off. You know, caribou are weird because they don't run, and really? they have no will of life either. Caribou mm-hmm. are weird. Like a whitetail, if you shoot at a whitetail, it's gone. Gone, son. Yeah. Caribou, you can shoot at them, and they have no will to live, and they just trot, you know, just walk. They must have. Uh, uh, they must have. Um, what am I looking for? Like oh. you, you always wonder, like, what chased whitetail for so long to make it scared? Yeah, yeah. to make it, you know, turned on like that all the time. Yeah. I don't so know. caribou, like, what, what, where did they live? you know, originally or what was not in their area to where they were just kind of chill. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So evolve, I guess, is what I'm, uh, the word I'm looking for. Because they talk about some of these deer, man, are so switched on mm-hmm. that it's like just choom, gone. Yeah. So. So <clears throat> Wayne and this other guy take off. The other Because we had two guides with us and then me and Wayne. They take off after those other caribou. Mm-hmm. While me and Peter are up there cleaning mine. So uh, they get like 120 yards from these caribou. And I'm watching, you know, through my binos. And I see Wayne pull up his rifle. He shoots. Caribou drops. I'm like, yeah, Wayne, good job, buddy. I'm yelling, screaming. They're like 600 yards from us, 500 yards from us. Yeah. I'm yelling, screaming for him, you know, how good a job he did. Caribou stands back up. <laughs> He shoots again, and it pirouettes in a circle. So I'm like, what the hell's going on? So Wayne reloads, and this thing goes down, finally. So then I see him walking up to it. You know, he's got another one jacked in there, and he gets like three feet from it. Kill shot, kills it. Yeah. Because it's still kicking. So we clean mine up a little bit, you know, and I said, hey, Peter, I'm going to walk down there and see what's what's going on with Wayne. So I walk Mm. down there. And I said, dude, what happened? He's like, I don't know. So I'm looking at this caribou, and his first shot, he hit it dead in the forehead. Oh, my God. And the bullet actually glanced. Really? You, you, when we skin it out, you could find a purple, a purple gash in its forehead where the bullet just glanced off of its forehead. We can go ahead and assume it was concussed. I would say. Wow. His second shot, he hit it in the antler, in the horn. Because it had a bullet hole through it. No way. It didn't break it in half? Oh, that's no. sick. Nah, that's that's almost better. Yeah. His third shot, he hit it in the ass. Yeah. And it was laying there. Yeah. And his Not fourth going shot anywhere. was the kill shot. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, sometimes it'd be like that. Yeah. I know, <laughs> man. I was like crazy. How did, I mean, what kind? I said, Wayne, don't get that antler fixed. Yeah. You know, it's a taxidermist. You have to oh, just no. leave it like that and tell the story. I mean, so could you see it in the skull where the first shot hit? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'd have done a European mount. Yeah, it was gnarly. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. So he he got that one, though, which was a cool, cool hunt, though. 
Yeah. Well, man, I got a uh, just a couple more questions sure. for you to wrap this thing up. I'm not sure if I know the answer to this question or not, but after all you've told me, all the good stories, all the good hunts, what do you value the most, the hunt or the hang? You know, we always say whenever a bunch of us get together yeah. that the animal's a bonus. The experience is yeah. – and proving that theory was this past October when I went on that elk hunt, and yeah. I didn't har- – nobody harvested anything. Yeah. But I told my buddies, I said, I didn't harvest anything, but this was probably the my most favorite hunt I've ever been on in my life yeah. because of – the guys I was with, mm-hmm. the people we shared camp with, yeah, the hunting where Teddy Roosevelt hunted. Oh, that's awesome. You know? And the history of that place was cool, man. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. That's, that's so, wild. So to me, the bone the animal is a bonus. Yeah. The I hunt mean, is obviously is they're they're connected. You can't do one without the other. Mm-hmm. So they're both unique and the most important in their own way, but I agree with you, man, and uh, that's awesome, dude. You got some all-time stories, and we'll get back into. Well, this has been a this has been an excellent podcast, dude. Is this your fir- first time on a podcast? First time ever, bro. <laughs> You're just born for this, man. <laughs> but I will tell you this: yeah, my wife will beg to differ with me about the animal and the experience okay. because she always tells me, "Don't come home unless you get something." Yeah. And then she says, you could have went out in my woods and played for two weeks if you wanted, wanted to and not killed anything. Yeah, like, but yeah. if me and you go pop a tent out back, <laughs> it's just not the same, you know. That'd feel a little weird. <laughs> it might would. It might you need would. to get some distance between your house and somewhere else. Yeah, yeah for sure. That's for awesome, sure. man. Well, dude. But no, I, this is the first podcast I've ever been on. It's yeah, fun. man. I appreciate you coming on and hanging out. And oh, like I said, you. this ain't no different than what we usually do so but uh last thing i gotta ask you i I don't know the date i should have looked at it before are we gonna watch because this is a big deal this year it is the south carolina tennessee game this year together i'm glad you put south carolina first whenever you said y'all won last year we did we did in a we ran out of fireworks at our stadium. You should have. During that game. You should have. Dude, South Carolina's a reason Tennessee probably wasn't playing a national championship game. I was actually in Texas yeah. hunting during that game. Really? Mm-hmm. This year. And uh, I don't know what happened, but um, Tennessee could not, could not stop South Carolina. Could I didn't, not. I didn't have service where I was at. Could and not so stop them. when I finally got service – my phone was blowing up, and Dana was like, we're beating Tennessee. Oh, you I'm like, are oh, you kidding me? And she was giving me updates on score, and it was like every two minutes we were scoring. I'm like, holy crap. It's like Tennessee was unstoppable, yeah, dominant, obviously undefeated till one of the last games of the year, beat mm-hmm. Bama, Florida, every well, lost to Georgia. But, I mean, was well on its way to begin in the college football playoffs. Mm-hmm. And we, whew, we went over to South Carolina and just got our tails whooped. Yeah. If I'm in so, town, we're watching it. If it. Okay. If you're in town, we're going to watch it on your back patio. Let's you got TV it. back there? Oh, yeah. All right, man. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, like I said, man, I appreciate you coming on. And it sounds like the missus just got home. So 
Yeah. We'll hang out, drink a couple more beers, and uh, Gary Williams, everybody. Thanks for having me, Staley. All right. Thanks, man. All right.